This is the Manga Mavericks podcast from allcomic.com, episode 114. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton. And I'm Lam Rameyasha, and today we have a mega news roundup. We are covering a bunch of recent news that has come out, including a ton of licensing news from, it seems, almost every publisher. In addition to that, we have some major announcements, and we also have a controversial story we need to talk about, but it's going to be a packed show with a lot of different news to cover. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, essentially, like you know, at, at one point, you know, we had enough news to where uh, we we were trying to find an episode in which uh, to cover all this news, but then it just kind of got to the point where it's like, okay, time for another news episode. <laughs> um, but you know, they're, 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 I mean, it's not it's not like they're bad episodes, but uh, if, if I mean, if if you're interested in manga news, we have a lot of it this episode, and if, and if you're not so interested, you know, that's fine too, but uh, I think we have interesting pieces of news to cover this time around, especially as far as the licensing front goes. We have we have so much. I wonder if this is like, I wonder if this is like the most licensing news we've ever had. No, because Anime Expo happens every year. <laughs> but okay. it is an exciting episode because there was a new manga publisher that has recently revealed themselves in the last week or so that has have made some new announcements as to their debut title. So that's going to be very exciting to talk about. Yeah, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit again once we get to licensing news. Uh, but for now, um, we're going to start off with the monthly book scan list for February. And uh, surprise, surprise, again, My Hero Academia constantly dominates. Uh I haven't I actually haven't had the chance to like count these down. So we have one, two, three, four, five, six, eight. seven, eight. Yes, we have eight volumes of My Hero Academia on this list. Seventy-five percent of the manga on the list, and forty percent of all the books on the top twenty. Yeah, so about about as much as you would expect My Hero Academia, I think to to conquer this list but uh just to kind of go over what volumes are on the list at number two we have volume 23 ranking there uh i believe that is the newest volume at the time of this recording and then at number four we have volume one of my hero academia following volume two at number five uh we have uh volume 22 ranking at number nine with volume three ranking at number 12 uh, volume 4 ranking at number 16 with volume 20 ranking at 17 uh, followed by uh, volume 5 ranking at number 20 at the very bottom of the list so again just just a constant trend of people who are getting into my hero academia and people who are keeping up with my hero academia there's really there's really no in between yeah the first five volumes and the latest three Two different types of readers right there. The newcomers and the old-time fans that are continuing to truck on. I'm interested in seeing, like... Because I think Volume 23 covers a lot of the, um... A, a lot of the, like, uh... Battles between, like, Class A and Class B. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in seeing, like... I'm interested in seeing what the rankings will look like once we get to the arc afterwards. Uh, considering I... I don't. I don't want to say it's like a controversial arc because I don't really think it's that. I don't really think it's anything like that necessarily. But I know people had their thoughts on that arc, so I'm wondering if we'll see 
that reflected on the book scan list? Probably not. I don't know. It'll probably still be as popular over here as ever, and I'm probably just overthinking things. But uh, Yeah, I think that'll rank same as always, but it is going to be interesting because we're going to have a little bit of a delay between Volume 23 and 24 coming out. Previously, these books have been out on a bi-monthly schedule, but we're taking a little bit of a short break and the next volume volume 24 won't be coming out until june so we will see if that drives up sales or if they maintain but yeah a little bit longer of a gap for volume collectors than they might be used to for the last couple of years mm, interesting all right but uh as for the rest of the manga on this list going down to number eight on the list we have volume five of comey can't communicate uh which is pretty nice it's interesting, though, because I don't know if we saw Volumes 3 or 4 rank on the list at all, so it's kind of interesting that uh, Volume 5 ranked on the list while those last two didn't. I can't recall, but it is great to see it continue to do well. She might not be able to communicate, but Comey sure can sell. <laughs> that that is that is true. I'm, I'm, I feel like Comey isn't going to be a thing we see on the book scan list a lot, but I, I feel like... I feel like it's going to make frequent enough appearances, so that's good. Uh, at number 10, once again, we have the hardcover edition of Junji Ito's Uzumaki. Not much to say there. Junji Ito is always popular. People love his work, and I'm sure maybe part of it has to has to do with, you know, the upcoming Uzumaki anime. Who knows? Um, I don't believe we have, uh, like, a date on that just yet, but I'm, I'm I think it's still coming out this year. It definitely coming out this year. We definitely don't have a date yet, though. I'd wager closer to October. That seems like an appropriate time to put it out. Probably even like September, maybe. I mean, October is Halloween season, but yeah, I could sure see them start a little bit early into September. Probably. I mean, you never know. Or maybe they could do what the Simpsons do and just wait till November. <laughs> yeah. Post-Halloween, Halloween specials. Um, but let's see. At number 14, we have, once again, Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba, Volume 1. Uh, again, a lot of people still getting into Demon Slayer, it seems, which is pretty cool. Uh, and then at number 15, we have, uh, Volume 4 of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 4, Diamond is Unbreakable, uh, which I believe is the newest volume? Yeah. Alright, so people still love JoJo, and that is, it's always nice to see. Mm-hmm. Overall, Wiz Media pretty much dominated this list once again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it also, within that, My Hero Academia dominated once again. But it's still nice to see that there are other titles, you know, continuing to break out and do really well, like Comey, Demon Slayer, and JoJo. So that is always very nice to see. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that's about it for the book scan list. And then we can move on to some serialization news. And Lum... I'm just going to let you take it over from here for a little bit. Yeah, indeed. And there's some really cool new serializations that are coming out from some pretty established authors. First, we have Hiroyuki of Aho Girls Fame New Series. And this is a series we sort of touched upon before because this is their new series is actually a extension or new version of a doujinshi that has previously been published by Iridori Aqua. So, Iridori Aqua published in December a uh, doujinshi of Hiroyuki's called Two Timing Fair and Square, which 
was about a guy who ends up getting into a polyamorous relationship with two women. And it was, I really enjoyed that story. And it seems a lot of people have because Hiroyuki announced in Weekly Shonen Magazine that they are debuting Kanojo, Mo Kanojo in Weekly Shonen Magazine. And it's not actually already being serialized. And it had an opening color page with two chapters and 42 total pages. And yeah, it's pretty cool that this doujin that he drew got traction and got interest. And now it is being serialized in Weekly Shonen Magazine. So I'm hoping it continues to do well in there. And we see that get licensed and published over here. Because I'd definitely like to read more of that story. I would too. I, I, th- I thought it was pretty cute as well. Mm-hmm. And we've got a new manga coming from Shuzo Oshimi that is gonna come out in the Satsu Shonen Magazine's May issue on April 9th. Shuzo Oshimi is, of course, known for Flowers of Evil, and one of their latest works, Blood on the Tracks, recently came out from Wordicle, and I recently took a read of that, and yeah, it's uh, Oshimi is really a master of some really dark, suspenseful thrillers. That also explore themes of puberty and weird psychosexual relationships in really interesting and fascinating ways. And this new manga seems to be just that. It's called Okeri Alice, or Welcome Back Alice, and it is described as a fresh new puberty story that pokes fun and sex. So will it be more of a comedy compared to the thriller dramas that he has done previously? We will see. I mean, he's also done Inside Mari, so it could be closer in tone to that, but yeah, interesting. And it's basically about streaming to school students, and as one kid be- starts to become conscious that his friend is a girl, he witnesses a scene he can't quite believe. So, what shocking scene will that be? Will it be like the shocking scene in Blood on the Tracks with the mother and the cousin? We will see. But yeah, I was looking forward to more Shuzo Ushimi stuff. But that does it up for new stuff. Let's talk about some stuff that is. On its way to ending, if it is not ending already, first, after a long, long time, these games have been long out since 10 years ago, <sighs> Black 2 and White 2, but the manga adaptation, Pokemon Adventures of Black 2 and White 2, is finally going to be coming to an end after over seven years, and basically in the next installment, that is going to probably come out in the next month or so. So that's being published on Kyotakukan Sunday Webry. Manga is coming out over here by Wiz Media. I think the third volume of that would be the final collective volume. But yeah, it's taken seven years and long since the games actually came out for this arc to finish. And now that it has finished, you can finally be able to read the series in chronological order again. That's a long time for one of these to go on for, or, or is it? Or is it that long? I guess I, well, I don't. It's really... not a long arc. What happened is that it was published intermittently because oh, okay, they okay. had to move on to the other arcs as the new games came out. So they just took a while for them to publish new chapters. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. But finally, yes, it will indeed uh, come out. Actually. I think this might be four volumes. Yeah, so it's the black two, white two arc is four volumes long. So. Oh, okay. 
Um, but anyway... Yes, now we'll move on to another series that we thought was ending, but it turns out it might be going on for a little while longer. And that's We Never Learn. If you had been reading We Never Learn recently, it seemed like it was all leading up to this big conclusion, romantic moment between Yueg and Aruka and them getting together and getting married and all that happy ending stuff. But that, it turns out to be only one ending of We Never Learn because there are going to be multiple because We Never Learn is doing a series of root-if arcs in which it will explore what would happen if Uega under the Shooting Star Festival had been holding the hand of another girl while the stars were falling. And so they'll explore all the other possibilities, Rizu, Fumino, and then Asumi, and finally and then Mukirisu. So it seems like there's going to be just a series of arcs just exploring how would Uega get with the other girls. And it's interesting, there was a lot of discussion on this, like even before... This was announced and we thought that We Never Learn was ending. There was like a lot of bitterness by some very irate fans on Twitter with comments directed towards Susui Sensei on Twitter that were very rude and mean. And one person, I remember this tweet, was like, if Uega ends up with Ruka, I'm going to kill myself. And then Susui replied in English, you know, if you do that, I will assure you, you will regret it. And, yeah, I mean, like, people are sending suicide threats because they were upset that Yueka was gonna get with the girl that was not of their choice. Oh, Oh, no, this story is not going the way that I wanted it to. Exactly. Oh, no. Uh, There were a bunch of comments. I I remember one tweet, Suicide posted in response to some other guy was like, you know, I am not here to live up to your expectations in the same way you are not here to live up to mine. We all each do our own thing and that is okay. Basically something on that effect he tweeted out. But yeah, he has been getting a lot of crap for this. But it seems this is not necessarily in response to the backlash. Like in the author's comment that is included at the end of chapter 150, he says that he had been planning to do this and I'm not I don't know how true that was I mean like the Aruka ending seemed pretty definite but we will see like going forward how he handles these different arcs one thing I like based on kind of what I've heard is going to be happening or you know what I know is going to be happening because the chapters will be out by the time that you listen to this is that the Rizu arc, the first one that's coming up, is going to take place 10 months after the high school graduation. So it seems like what the approaches that he's going to be doing with this is that each of these different storylines will be taking place at different points in the characters' lives, presumably in a forward progression. So we'll actually get to see like how they kind of grow into their careers and deal with, like, college and then finding jobs and stuff hopefully so that'd be really interesting angle to explore alongside just oh we'll see how Uega ends up with this girl in this arc so that i think that'd be pretty interesting mm, that is really interesting i, I never i 
I mean, as as unfortunate as it is, I, I still haven't really, like, read too much of We Never Learned since we podcasted about it. So I I had no idea that, like, this, this, was, this was coming up. Um, this was very unexpected for me, uh, definitely. I, I like, th- this is just such an interesting route for the series to take. And I don't know, I, I don't think I've ever seen a rom-com manga do this kind of thing. Yeah, it's very visual novel-y. That's what a lot of people have been describing it as. And it's definitely earned some mixed opinions from people in the community. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, to have like different endings for each girl is kind of cowardly because oh you're not making a decision and then other people are just kind of upset that oh ruka wasn't the definitive ending that kind of lessens the impact of the storyline i think it's really going to depend on how Susie handles it i personally think the ruka storyline is just really strong so I don't think that this is overriding it or anything, especially since the approach is going to be like, what would happen if X event didn't happen? And then in this point of the character's lives, things took a different turn. Like, it seems the divergent point between the Aruka ending and this new Rizu arc is that in the Aruka ending, like, what happened to spur Yuika to think about his feelings for Aruka was Aruka confessing to him. And apparently in the Rizu arc, she does not do that. So it's a timeline that is created because Aruka never confessed to Yuika, so he never considered how he felt about Aruka. And so, of course, you know, time apart and spending time with someone else, feelings evolve and change. So that is an interesting angle to explore, I think. See, I the, the, those comments about Tsutsui being cowardly and whatnot, I think are, to, to be frank, I think are total bullshit. Just because, I mean, like, the fact that he's <laughs> has so much harassment going on him, like, no matter what he did, like, the fan base was going to be upset because people are irrational. I guess when it comes to rom com manga, they really are invested. <laughs> characters i mean i mean basically he's damn like it's it's damned if you do damned if you don't like yeah people were gonna people were already upset at the direction of the aruka ending and now they're also upset that there are gonna be multiple endings so you can't win either way yeah exactly And, uh, and the way he's approaching this to me seems still respectful of like all the different endings of their possibilities and like i don't think that the direction the Rizu arc will go will mitigate like the impact and how well done the Aruka ending was. And I think that should hold true for all the subsequent endings as well. And also I like this approach of doing these different endings at different points in time, just because, you know, if, especially if it continues to be at a further place in the future with each Successive, uh, successive arc. Like then, the Krisu ending could take place. Like I don't know when Yuega is a teacher at the school or something, and so that would be less problematic if they were like both adults and equals at that point. If they got into a relationship, rather than you know her being his teacher, him being a student. So that is one way to write around that problem too. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't think about it like that before. But how much you want to bet that that's not how he's going to write it, though? Well, we will see. I mean, <laughs> already the Rizu arc is starting 10 months from the high school graduation, so they're, like, in college. So 
We'll see. I mean, if that trend continues, then they take place in a successive point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, per- personally, like I said, I-, I think this is actually a really interesting move and one that uh, I didn't see coming personally. And honestly, is is the kind of thing that like kind of makes me want to get back to reading We Never Learn. Because I mean, part of the reason I haven't gotten to is because sometimes I'm just like, I just I just haven't really been in the mood for it. But uh, the, this 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 piques my interest at least, so I should probably get back to it pretty soon. Yeah, We Never Learn has some of the strongest writing I've ever read in a rom-com, and I think that all the characters' arcs have been really great, and the character development has been really great, and I'm kind of looking forward to seeing it go even further, thanks to the fact that all these endings, I mean, presumably and hopefully, are going to be taking place at different points of time, and seeing how the characters evolve and change over those periods of time. So, yeah. I think it's really actually interesting, and uh, I am continuing to look forward to more We Never Learn. However, something that I'm sad I will not be able to look forward to more of is a series that is definitely ending, and that's Blue Flag. That will be ending with its final chapter coming out on April 8th. And, I mean, if you had read the recent chapter, that definitely makes sense, considering the direction that went... It definitely feels like the series is all primed to wrap up. But we'll see what kind of ending it has, because that last chapter had a very bittersweet ending. So it's not going to be like a happily ever after for our characters, it seems. So how will it end? Hopefully on a hopeful note, but we will see. And, you know, ultimately, Blue Flag will have eight compiled volumes. So here's hoping that those come out at a good pace, like every two months or so. So the entire series is out here by Viz uh, before too long. I can't wait to eventually read Blue Flag. Well, you can on Manga Plus if you have VPN. Yeah, but who, who has the time to figure that out? It's not too hard, I don't think, but uh, I'm looking forward to it being added to the Shonen Jump Digital Vault as Wiz releases the volumes as well. Especially since it's going to be worked on people that I know are huge fans of the series. That That is that is nice, because I, 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 I remember when Blue Flag was like a newer series, and, uh, and I remember seeing Marlene uh, in particular posting about it on Twitter, like even back then, so... Yeah, I'm also confident that this is, that the series is going to be in good hands. They named their dog after Tonma. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. But on the subject of Shonen Jump and the Shonen Jump Vault, let's head into some licensing news, and we have a really big one. Speaking of things being added to the vault, Q is now completely available on the Shonen Jump app. All the volumes, all the chapters have been filled in. There's no longer any gaps, so you can read from chapter one to the latest chapter at long, long last, without any skips. So that is quite exciting. You can read 386 chapters of Haikyuu right now and ongoing until the series uh, ends. So that's really, really exciting. Yeah, I, I believe this is the first, this is the first like jump series to have its gap completed. Basically, yeah, the first one. I think Jujutsu Kaisen will be next. That's getting close. There's still a five chapter gap, but. Haikyuu, finally. It's been a long process. Haikyuu, I think they started releasing in 2016, so it's taken like four years to get to this point, but they did it. 
It weren't, well, yeah, weren't they, like, releasing, like, a volume a month or something? They were for the longest time, and then I think two years or so in, they finally got to a point where they could start slowing down and release every two months, and that's still kind of the schedule that they're on, a volume every two months. But, yeah, because they have just released volume 37, which basically went up to where the first chapter of the Simulpub started, they filled in the gap. So that's pretty cool. Again, huge shout out to Marlene on that one, who I believe um, is editor, the editor. Indeed. Yes, yeah. I, I know she put in a lot of work, and I know it's. I know this project in particular has taken up like a lot of her time and uh, and whatnot. But yeah, I'm 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 really happy for her that this is, that this has finally been completed. Um, but no, yeah. Uh, now Haiku is definitely on my list now. Now that it's uh, been completed, I'm probably gonna have to read this soon. Indeed, I definitely want to give this series a read from beginning to end as well. Uh, hell, you know, I I might I might even just save it for for an episode of the podcast, considering I know it's in its final arc at the moment. So maybe maybe I'll read it once it's over. I don't know. I'm still kind of deciding. Yeah, I mean, the series could very well end within the year, considering what is happening and the fact that it seems like this is like a big climactic game between the characters. So. So, okay, there you go. P- p- possible big candidate for an episode next year, probably. Mm-hmm. I- I'd-, I'd like that, actually. That-, I- that sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, definitely. But in terms of utter manga being added digitally at long last, you're finally getting some new Sunday manga that you can purchase digitally because both Rin A, Kodakahashi, and Hayate, the Combat Butler by Kenjiro Hot, are finally being released digitally. You can buy their newest volumes digitally, but also you can now buy their first couple volumes digitally and it seems like they're going to be releasing a new volume of each digitally every month from here on out until they fill in the gap but as of this recording you can get the first four volumes of Hayate digitally and the first two volumes of Renee digitally this is this is amazing because I have thought about reading both of them, but like I know in my heart of hearts that I, I just do not ha- I do not have room in my tiny apartment for for two thirty plus volume series, you know. So uh, ha- having having these digitally is like really going to help, and it's going to be super convenient. Indeed. So finally, this is really great to have both these series digitally, especially because they are so long, so now collecting them will not take up your entire shelf. Alright, but uh, I think we should just get on with the rest of our licensing news, and we have a lot of it. Um, So, first off, uh, we're going to start off with Manga Planet, which uh, in case you uh, may not have heard from us already, it's uh, it's another manga subscription service. Uh, where basically you sign up for, I believe it's six ninety five a month, maybe six ninety nine a month, somewhere around there, and you get access to a whole bunch of manga that they have available on there. Uh, we've talked about the service before, but it seems like recently uh, they've added some series from uh, Masaya Hokazono in particular, those being Dr. Mordred, uh, Chilling Messages, and Ragruna Chronicles. And uh, I believe the first couple chapters of those are available for free and subsequent chapters will be available for subscribers. And so, yeah, uh, just to kind of go over these really quickly, um, Dr. Mordred in particular, 
I think is already like the most interesting out of these three, just because like it it is apparently a series that takes place in the year of eighteen ninety seven, the era of the Wild West. So <laughs> so it's a so it's a Western manga. Uh, I'm already super interested in that. Uh, but apparently, our titular character, Doctor Mordred, is uh, is essentially an outcast who. Uh, conducts all kinds of experiments is also an archaeologist and kind of studies the occult uh so you know basically everybody kind of like shuns him for that but like they they also kind of like recognize his talent and his uh, research and whatnot and so yeah he basically just investigates uh all the incredible happenings you know happening on the american frontier and uh just judging from the cover alone like the, this is already like the thing I want to read on here the most. It's almost kind of like if, if if Doc Brown from Back to the Future stayed in the Wild West or something. That's how I kind of see it anyway. But uh, yeah, that so that sounds legitimately pretty interesting. Um, and then with chilling messages, uh, it seems to be like an like an autobiographical kind of kind of work. Uh, but it's it's like a four panel comic uh, kind of thing where. Uh, essentially, uh, Masaya Hokazono in particular, uh, quote unquote, talks about the toils and travels of being a horror manga artist. In this lighthearted romp through his day job, he uh, tackles things such as readers submitted ghost stories, the terrors of social media disapproval, hospital experiences, real fake physics, and uh, what may be the scariest thing of all, his fellows in the horror manga industry. <laughs> so yeah, this this sounds like it's... Uh, kind of along the same lines as um as uh i forget the title but uh i don't didn't juji ito like uh write and draw a manga about like his cats or something yes yes i yeah. believe so so it it kind of it, it kind of sounds sort of similar along those lines in uh, at least as far as like autobiographical stuff goes um mm-hmm. so yeah this sounds pretty cute um and then you have raguna chronicles which essentially is a is a sci-fi fantasy series involving a band uh involved in a musical festival and yeah that's basically about it for that um and uh yeah i mean uh, all all of these like sound incredibly interesting uh and i would definitely read all of these um i i really need to like sign up for manga planet at some point there's just so much manga to read indeed it's there's so many services now too that there's a lot to keep up with, but I definitely want to read Dr. Mordred to find out what kind of animal is his trusty animal psychic. <laughs> yeah, I say I forgot to mention that. But anyway, uh, moving on to the next thing. So this is interesting. So I'm not sure if they're a newer company, but uh, we have Glacier Bay Books, who recently announced that they will be releasing a collection of indie manga uh, that will feature more than 250 pages called uh, Gleolia. I believe that's how you pronounce that. And uh, basically, just to, just to kind of read the description from Glacier Bay Books, because I think it explains it all, uh, they say that uh, we are proud to announce Gleolia, a new 250-plus page English-language collection of indie manga uh, with stories from a lot of different artists. Uh, these include self-published works and or, you know, doujinshi, uh, as well as uh, works selected from indie manga magazines and mainstream publishers and each number. So and, and, and th- this is this is where I kind of got a little confused because they say that each volume will be numbered from a limited print run of 300. So what that means is that they're only going to print 
300 it's a limited release okay i i wasn't sure because uh uh judging from the cover of glaolia uh it's listed with the number one so i wasn't sure if this is like the first in like a series of like anthology collections or if they're planning on doing more perhaps or if like each each volume of like each print of like I think if they're going to be successive volumes, that the idea is that each of them only has 300 printings. And then all those printings will be numbered. Because at first I thought that, like, maybe this was just going to be, like, one collection, but each one of them were going to be numbered depending on, like, what number in the print print run they are. Like, oh, this is Gleolia print number one or print number 30 or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think they're doing that, but... They might also do more collections like this. So, I mean, I definitely think that the idea for this first book, at least, is that you're going to print 300, and those 300 books will be numbered once through 300. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, um, you know, I think you can find, like, a preview of uh, of the collection on uh, on Anime News Network. And uh, from from kind of just skimming through these, like, these look really interesting. Like, I would not mind, like, having a copy of this. Mm-hmm. Also because, like, a lot of these artists I have I have never heard of. But, uh, yeah, for anyone who's, like, interested in buying this, I-, I believe at the time of this recording, I think pre-orders are already up. If not, maybe by the time this episode is out. So, uh, we'll, we'll leave a link to, uh, to the company's website for anyone who maybe is interested in buying this. Because uh, I, know, I know I would like to own this, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, but moving on from that, we have uh, a license from One Piece Books, who have licensed the uh, the the manga adaptation of the New Gate Light novel series. Uh, the manga being done by uh, Yoshiyuki Miwa, with the original novels being from uh, Shinogi Kazanami. And One Piece Books will be releasing this manga physically and digitally starting on April fourth, and. Um, just just come from kind of reading the synopsis of this of, of the story like i'm not saying i'm not saying this to be derogatory or anything but like the, like the start of it sounds very similar to like sword art online where it's like you have a bunch of people playing this video game and then they get stuck in the video game and they have to like beat the final boss to get out of the video game and all that kind of stuff uh however the big the biggest difference seems to be that uh after defeating the final boss our main character essentially like because because I guess everybody logs out, and then our main character like suddenly just falls unconscious, and then he wakes up in a unfamiliar place and comes to discover that not only is he still in the like in the world of the game, but it's been five hundred years since he defeated the final boss. Um, so now he has to basically travel a world that is completely unfamiliar to him. Uh, with all the players like logged out and so yeah this is i don't know like literally like while reading through the synopsis of this i was not super interested up until that point yeah it's like a samurai jack kind of twist he was flung into the future a <laughs> point in time now the fool seeks to return to the past onto the future of the final boss so if he's still like in the game world and it's supposed to be like 500 years since then like so I, I I can only assume that means like five hundred years in the game's time and not like yeah. an actual time. 
I mean, yeah, because his body. I mean, I don't know. He'd have to. He'd probably have died if it was five hundred years. I was, I was gonna say life. like, I like how how would that feel like mentally? That actually, yeah. Like I have all sorts of questions about like how that's supposed to work and like how you would feel mentally after that. Like this, uh, this actually that actually has me interested in reading this. But yeah, no, again, uh, that'll be out physically and digitally on April 4th. And uh, I don't know, I I, I kind of want to pick this up. That sounds pretty cool. Um, next up, we have Ablaze Publishing, in which uh, was reported by ICV2 in particular that uh, they have licensed a Kagister of an insect cage from uh, Kacho Hashimoto. And uh, this series in particular, I think, has a Netflix anime at this point. Which I I haven't seen myself, so I I don't have too many opinions on those. But uh, it looks like they're going to be releasing the first volume of the series in June. uh, And that they plan on releasing one volume every month uh, to basically finish out the series. So I didn't get a chance to look it up. But I can only assume this is a pretty short series. Then if that's the case... uh, Oh, I forgot to mention. It looks like they plan on finishing in November. So what is that like five volumes i th- i think so i think i think the math is right on that um but yeah essentially uh Kagister in particular is a is a is a post-apocalyptic manga uh it's set in the post-apocalyptic world i should say where a mysterious disease known as Kagister turns people into giant murderous insects and uh basically yeah it's a, this manga is also about uh, the struggle of a young couple trying to stay alive. So yeah, um, it's a simple premise, but uh, I'm sure it could. It, it sounds interesting enough. And then uh, not much else to say about that. So we'll just move on to <sighs> Tokyo Pop. <laughs> you know, I'm sure you can hear the excitement in my voice because it's Tokyo Pop. Like, I look. You know, if it weren't for the fact that we cover licensing news, I wouldn't really care about Tokyo Pop's stuff usually, but I will say th- these titles seem all right. Like th- their selection of titles isn't bad. I will give them that. Uh, because first off we have a uh, bang dream uh, from Dr. Pepico craft egg and Bushi road. Uh, I'm sorry. That's bang dream girls band party Roselia stage. Yes. Every part of the title is very important to distinguish which bang dream Girls Band Party series it is. I'm assuming Bang Dream is like a is like an idol franchise yes, thing. Yes, it is. It's a very it's one of the bigger <laughs> ones, I think. Yes. Um. So essentially, this manga, from what I'm reading, is is basically about a high school girl who uh, starts up her own band and uh, wants to uh, participate in this in this big music event. I, I guess because her her father had dreams of making it big in the industry, but uh, that did seem like that didn't really work out for him. So I guess she wants to live. Uh, she she wants him to live like vicariously through her. I guess. Um, I don't know. It it sounded kind of cute and nice. Like uh, I'm I'm sure. Uh, I don't know. Maybe if you're already like uh, into the Bang Dream franchise, whatever you want to call it. You know, this is probably already for you, but I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not too familiar with this thing. So, you know, as somebody who's kind of unfamiliar, I don't know. It's, it sounds like it could be kind of cute. But again, not much to say on that. Uh, the, 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 this other license I'm actually a lot more interested in with uh, Osan Idol. 
<laughs> um, so essentially, this is about a a thirty six year old person who uh, is unemployed. He's unhappy. Uh, you know, he was bullied in childhood, and even in his adult life, he's still kind of bullied, and he's a shut-in, he's laid off, just all kinds of terrible stuff. Uh, just, just having a terrible time. And for the longest time, the only thing that has brought him any kind of joy was online gaming, of course. Uh, and then he decides to try a popular idol game, apparently called Let's Try Dancing. And, uh, it became not only an addiction, but it was transformative for him. And so he's basically inspired by this game to turn his life around. He begins, you know, kind of putting himself out there, singing in karaoke and going to the gym, you know, taking taking little steps to make his life that much better. Uh, and then he runs into the director of an entertainment company who basically encourages our main character to pursue his dreams and... Uh, you know, at first he only wanted to be good at he he only wanted to like be good at video games, but apparently when he accidentally like uploads a clip of himself singing and dancing, it goes viral, and now he has the chance to become an actual idol. Um, so this <laughs> this sounds this sounds amazing. Um, I, I was I was kind of thinking about this earlier. This this kind of sounds like this sounds like the plot to an episode of Gintama. Like I I could totally see Hasegawa getting into this kind of uh. Uh, getting into these kind of shenanigans in particular, um, but I don't know. In, in general, yeah, this 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 sounds like an interesting take on like the on like the male idol thing. And I guess the only thing I'm kind of wondering is um, if the men like on the cover of uh, of the first volume, like like is so like is 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 our main character like does he already look pretty or is he like really schlubby? Because I think that's what's gonna make it or break it for me, you know. Or is he, like, really schlubby and then he, like, turns handsome? I guess uh, that's the only thing I'm kind of wondering. Yeah, I wonder. I bet it's, like, he's schlubby and he turns handsome. But we will see. But yeah, I guess before I forget, I don't think Tokyo Pop has a has a release date for these titles in particular. Other than they're supposed to be coming out this year, I guess. Uh, so there's that. All right, but uh, now I think we can finally take a break. And oh no, what's that? Uh-huh. Oh no, uh, the tidal waves crashing down on us. Oh no, it's seven seas once again. Oh, love, save me! Up, we're drowning. We died at sea, like the love interest in Rider Wave. Now we're gonna be haunting the dreams of our loved ones, and they'll see us in the water whenever they sing the song they associate with us. <gasps> okay. Okay, I think I think I can I think I can handle this. <laughs> I'm coughing up all the water. That's definitely what I'm doing. Okay, so let's just let's just get right into Seven Seas, because Seven Seas licensed a lot of stuff. Like they normally do. So um this first one I think people will be interested in because Seven Seas announced that uh they have licensed the original uh Zanmai novels from Kunihiko Ikuhara and Teruko Utsumi. The these I'm assuming like the anime that came out was like based on these novels, or I'm not sure if it's the other way around. Or no, I'm sorry. Yeah, this is this is a novel adaptation yeah. of, of the anime. Okay. The anime came first. Okay, yeah. So basically, if you happen to enjoy the anime for this, then yeah, you should definitely pick up the novels. Uh, and I guess those will be coming out on uh, September 1st of this year. And then next up, we have Cube Arts, uh, which will be coming out again on September 1st. This is basically another, like, 
uh, tra- trapped in a video game world kind of thing. See, uh, so, okay, so here's here's my thing. What, what, are those still are those still considered isekai? Uh, not sure. Um, but yeah, essentially, uh, it's about another VR game uh, that people play. Uh, that looks kind of familiar. I I can't really. I can't really put my finger on it. It's uh, <laughs> it's totally not Minecraft whatsoever. No, it's not blocky at all. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, that's essentially it's like blocked like slimes. It's so <laughs> strange. You know, I was wondering what those were on the cover, but yeah, that, that totally makes sense. I don't know, they look kind of cute, weirdly. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, that, that that's essentially it for that. I mean, it, it looks cute. I wouldn't mind checking it out. Um, this next one I'm a little more interested in with Unicorns Aren't Horny, <laughs> uh, which will be coming out on November 10th. And um, I, I, I just have to read the description of this one because I think it speaks for itself. Uh, Emuko is a 20-something virgin by choice. Uh, in fact, she's never really dated anyone in her entire life. Uh, her roommate is a unicorn, uh, a mythical creature known for its attraction to virgins. This is news to me. Yeah, I didn't know this was a part of unicorn lore. <laughs> is this in that film, The Last Unicorn? Is this in My Little Pony? They don't never discuss it there. <laughs> oh boy, if they discussed it in My Little Pony. Um, this unicorn named Sea Urchin adores Emiko, but sometimes Emiko wonders uh, what she might be missing by avoiding a romantic love. And does Sea Urchin love Emiko a little too much? So th- this one already has me asking a lot of questions. Um, I guess is it like uh, is this supposed to be like uh, are, are we supposed to believe that like they fall into like a romantic relationship or is it supposed to yeah. be? Yeah, I mean that's what it seems like. I mean the unicorn is horny for her basically. So I don't know. We will see. I don't know. Like the the cover at least is very cute. I really I really like the art style. Maybe the unicorn like has a humanoid form like Prince Helios and Sailor <laughs> Moon. So. Maybe. Um, I guess we'll just have to see uh, this November 10th. Moving on to even more Seven Seas licenses before I drown again. Next up, we have uh, We Swore to Meet in the Next Life, and That's When Things Got Weird from Hachiahato. And uh, essentially, uh, long ago, a princess and I fell in love, but couldn't be together. Uh, They promised to meet again in the next life where they could freely love each other. But there's a problem. They weren't reborn in the same year. And now the princess is a 39-year-old single woman living in modern Japan, uh, just bumped into the reincarnation of her beloved knight, a 17-year-old high school student who recognized her immediately. So uh, that's 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 a bit of a problem. You know, I don't think the title really filled you in on all the details. Like, the thing's got weird parts, sure, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Like, dang, why a two-decade age gap? An adult person and a teenager? Come on. I mean, it would have... I don't know. Like, it couldn't have at least made him, like, 21, maybe? Yeah. I mean, there's still a gap, but at least then they would have still both been adults. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, again, like I, I don't personally, I don't view age gaps as a huge thing personally. I, I mean, that's just me. But but again, it's the fact that now he's a teenager, so I don't know, I don't know, man. But but but, but let's move on from that. 
Um, so next up, we have uh, the Hidden Dungeon Only I Can Enter. And I believe Seven Seas is releasing both the light novel and the manga adaptation for this. I thought I saw them say that in, in their Twitter feed, but uh, it doesn't really say so in the in the article in particular. But uh, the, the first volume of the light novels, I guess, in particular, will be coming out on October 13th. In which essentially uh, we have we have Noir, who is the son of a minor noble, uh, with very little to his name other than a job offer, uh, which is canceled even before he could start with his first day. Uh, he does possess one rare trait, though, uh, and that is the magical ability to consult with a great sage, even if using the skill gives him terrible headaches. And uh, unsure of what his future holds, he accesses the sage for advice on how to move forward and is directed to a secret dungeon filled with rare beasts and magical items. And it is here that Noir will train, uh, compiling experience and wealth until he's powerful enough to change his fate. So it's kind of like if you were stuck in the Room of Spirit and Time from Dragon Ball Z for a long time. <laughs> Maybe. I'm not saying it worked exactly like that, but uh, I mean, I don't know. It, it could be different just from like, the synopsis this kind of sounds like this this to me sounds like grinding the life novel yeah i don't know that sounds that interesting to watch like in the there's the one about like i killed slimes for 300 years and i'm strong so like the story starts with them already doing the grinding that's a little more interesting yeah essentially and the next up uh this one is pretty interesting uh we have rainbow in black from eddie takanashi um and essentially it's about our uh, main character who is a college student and uh, she feels like she's living in black and white and she longs for more excitement until a small rainbow incredibly weird bird thing brings color to her new life and now they live together and she can't tell if this creature is a pet or or a roommate and i Look, guys, I wish you could see, like, what the cover of this looks like, because this woman is holding a little thing. I guess it looks like a bird. It kind of looks like an angry bird, I guess, except it doesn't look angry. Well, it's supposed to be like a color wheel with a face and I guess like little feathers, like just some little bumps. It sort of looks like, oh, what is that Pokemon called? Ryunkalis, Duoja. The It's from Generation 5 Black and White. Oh man, but it it looks. I don't know how I feel about how it looks because it it kind of freaks me out a little bit. I don't know. I I don't I don't like the combination of its bright, colorful feathers with like its baby face. Yeah, the Pokemon I was thinking of was Solosis. It does look like that, except its body is like a color wheel. So yeah, Solosis evolves into Ojan and then Romunculus. But yeah, it looks more like the baby form of it. Yeah, but um, this sounds like it, it could be fun, you know. I mean, the, the color metaphors are not lost on me whatsoever. And you know what? I, I think that's really all I have to say about that. I don't know. I'm, 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 a little, I'm a little speechless. I don't really know what else to say about it. It just, it just seems like the kind of thing that is just primed to be weird. I think it could be kind of interesting. So if the manga is in black and white and like she sees the world in black and white, but this character is in color and it brings color into the world. I think that would play with color in the media very interestingly. That would be really neat, though. At the same time, if it does, if it does happen to do that kind of thing, like I could see that being like hell to print because of the color and whatnot. But well, not hell to print, but you know, expensive. That would be really cool, though. That that would be that would make for a really cool comic. But uh, 
Yeah, so essentially, Seven Seas will be uh, releasing the the first volume of this in a large trim edition on November tenth, and so uh, onto the so this one here is especially really cool because we now have because uh, I think Seven Seas has licensed and released like other educational manga, like I know they did the one about like makeup, and then you had stuff like uh, Little Miss P. Or Miss Little P or whatever that was yeah. called about uh, about women's periods and whatnot, and so uh, this is kind of along the same lines uh, with what the font a manga <laughs> guide to Western typeface. I I already love the title of this, uh, which will be coming out on on September twenty second, and it's I mean it, it's essentially like a, an educational manga in which a sales representative in particular is kind of tasked to basically make a make a logo like for the company he works for only because the designer is uh, is missing for some reason i wonder if that'll be like a like a mystery element or something uh but then he's basically taught all about fonts by the personification of uh, of helvetica and uh basically just kind of teaches him about western font and typography and all kinds of fun stuff and i mean like i don't know it's interesting because like this 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 is the kind of thing where it's like only only like manga would uh can, can make something as mundane as like and niche i mean this is a manga for all your letter of friends every manga letter in the industry is gonna love this book i bet aiden's gonna love this book brandon's gonna love this book it's gonna be very, very and, and elise is gonna love this book mm-hmm. oh yeah for sure like i can only imagine that i mean i i I guess this goes without saying but they're probably going to put a lot of work into into this book about uh typography Mm -hmm. so yeah i'm I'm definitely picking this up like i definitely want to read this uh and again that'll be coming out on september 22nd um i believe that's only one volume all right but we have one one more one more batch one more batch and we're almost done one more wave Let's try not to drown. Okay, uh, next up we have, and again, like Seven Seas is really killing it with with uh, with the localized titles here. Cutie and the Beast, <laughs> uh, which will be coming out on October sixth, and it's essentially about a girl who has a crush on a giant and tall professional wrestler who normally plays like a heel on on TV. Heels are the bad guys, basically. Essentially, yeah. And uh, yeah, but you know he he plays a heel on TV, but in real life he's a he's a big old softy and and really appreciates all the fan mail she sends him and whatnot. And it's just a, it's just a nice little nice little like romantic comedy. And I desperately want to read this. <laughs> this just this sounds amazing. But uh, yeah, that's definitely on my list. And what what also is on my list this this one's a big one and, and one that like I've seen around for a long time and I I'm really glad that Seven Seas has picked up. So Seven Seas has picked up uh, Shinichi Ishizuka's Blue Giant manga, which I guess is ten volumes long, but uh, will be coming out in omnibus format. So I'm I'm guessing like two and ones or whatnot. Uh, that makes the most sense. Uh, the first omnibus edition of that's coming out on October 27th, and uh, it's about our main character Miyamoto Dai, who originally has more of a taste for basketball, but his life has changed when he sees a live jazz performance. And uh, you know, the, obviously, the jazz music like really strikes a chord in him. It really speaks to him uh, so much so that he immediately just dedicates his entire life to practicing the saxophone. 
you know, he he has no skills in it. He's not super good at it, you know, at first. But, uh, you know, what, what, what really drives him is his obsession to basically practice the saxophone day in and day out. And uh, it's essentially a series about him just uh, striving towards his dreams of becoming a professional sax player. And uh, I've heard very, very good things about this manga. So I'm really glad that Seven Seas is coming out with this one. Indeed. Yeah, it looks really, really cool. V-Lord, have you heard about Blue Giant? What do you think about it since he's licensing it? I think it's really cool. I mean, it's a manga about a saxophone player. Yeah, I mean, you play saxophone, so that's why I want your perspective. Yeah, I mean, I've played the saxophone for, like, what? Like, 11 years at this point? So, like, yeah, it's, it's really cool. I've heard a lot of really good things about it in the past. And, yeah, I'll definitely be picking it up right away. Well, excellent. There you go. Perspective from someone who plays the saxophone. Feel like you got you got to play for us sometime, man. I didn't know you played the saxophone. Wheelord, will you play for us? I mean, on the podcast. Will you play us a tune? Will you play us Old Man Siaster? You know what? When Blue Giant comes out, I'll play a tune on the podcast. <laughs> okay, so, so this means we have to do an episode on Blue Giant so Wheelord can play the saxophone for us. Make sure your butter isn't out of tune. <laughs> My what? <laughs> oh, I get it. Oh, man. Anyway, thanks for stopping by, V-Lord. He's already left. Oh, he's already gone. Okay. You, you didn't tell him to get out this time. I never leave. No, that was, that, was, that was very nice of you. Yeah, maybe opportunity will arise. <laughs> oh, anyway... Uh, again, that is coming out on October 27th. Next up, we have, um, oh boy, quite the mouthful. Uh, we have Roll Over and Die, I Will Fight for an Ordinary Life with My Love and Cursed Sword from author and illustrator Kiki and Quinta. And so, yeah, essentially we have, uh, Flamme Apricot, uh, who would have been content to live her entire life in her little village in peace. But unfortunately for her, a god prophesies that she would be the one to defeat the Demon King. And Flamme, with her terrible stats and useless abilities, has known nothing but misery ever since. Uh, her life hits rock bottom when the hero's party, fed up with dragging her dead weight along, uh, decides to sell her off into slavery to get rid of her. But a brush with death finally awakens something in Flamme. Rather than ending... Uh, her story might just be getting started, and this time, instead of a traitorous party, she has a woman she loves by her side. So clearly, this girl has had a um, had a hard life. Mm-hmm. And uh, wow, selling her into slavery—that's that's just that's a dick move, uh, to to put it lightly. Um, and yeah, I don't know. This this sounds like a I don't know. I, I was going to call it a revenge story, but I'm not really sure if it's quite that. It's it, it sounds more like a Sounds more like a story in which you know she had a terrible time and now she gets to start over with uh with her with her new girlfriend and you know what I'm happy I'm I'm happy for her. It seems a little similar to Six Out in that sense, being mistreated by like a patriarchal system and then rebelling against it with a female companion by their her side. Yeah, I'm all I'm all about rebelling against the patriarchy, so why not? Mm-hmm. But up next, we have Yes, No, or Maybe from Michi Ichiho and Lala Takemiya, uh, which is uh, apparently a new light novel series coming out this October 6th. 
um and it's a it's a bl light novel series so that's pretty interesting uh in which we have uh kuniata k who is a popular tv announcer you know who's known for being cool and flawless and just all around a professional uh but on the inside he's the complete opposite he's brash and hot-tempered and prickly as all can be Still, you know, uh, K being the professional he is, you know, is able to juggle his personas uh, quite successfully, uh, basically until one day, you know, he he runs into stop motion animator uh, Suzuki Ushio, who happens to see him at the grocery store uh, while his real personality is on display. And uh, now basically K has to figure out how to navigate a relationship he didn't expect. But, you know is it really that scary that there's the possibility that you know someone could love both sides of him and so yeah this 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 sounds like this sounds like an interesting relationship already yeah i think a story about a stop motion animator is also very interesting you don't see that explored too often no yeah i'm 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 curious to see that side of it as well all right but lum i think i think we finally We've been, we've been washed ashore by seven seas, and now we have landed on the island that is Yen Press. Uh, but uh, so some of these I think we can go through a little quicker, because essentially Yen Press has licensed uh, five new manga and two novels. Um, a lot of these, you know, um, may be familiar to some people, because uh, the first thing that they licensed was uh, the novel adaptation of The Garden of Words, which is uh, written by Makoto Shinkai. Uh, and obviously is, uh, again, a novel adaptation of uh, of his award-winning 2013 film, which, uh, you know, I, I don't think, like, I've seen a lot of Shinkai stuff at this point. I think this is the only movie I haven't seen so far. Uh, I guess other than Weathering With You. Uh, I don't know, Lum, have you seen this movie at all? I haven't seen Garden of Words. I've heard mixed things about it, I think. I don't know. But I definitely want to check out Shinkai's, all of Shinkai's films, so. But it'll be interesting to see how the novel compares to the film, too. Mm-hmm. As, as mixed as I am on a lot of Shinkai stuff, uh, Garden of Words is just something that, like, I, I know very little about. So that makes me interested in, like, kind of checking it out. Um, but I'm sure there's a lot of, obviously, a lot of Shinkai-isms in there. And I'm sure it's probably another romance story. But, eh, you know, we'll, we'll see. And then next up, we have uh, Konosuba, an explosion on this wonderful world bonus story. We are the Megamine Bandits, and so yeah, I'm I'm not as familiar with Konosuba. Lum, can you can you actually can you tell me about this one? Yeah, this one looks to be set in Megumin's village, or at least you know she's going to be joined by some of her friends, like Iris, the headstrong sister, the problematic in Union, and they're going to be bandits, and they're going to target aristocrats, I guess. So the basic idea with like everyone in Megamine's village is that they're all Chunibios. They oh, all okay. are like over the top and they have their own like gimmick that they declare themselves as. So yeah, I think the combination of Megumine and her wacky friends could be very, very funny. And yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I feel like Megumine is definitely the breakout character of Konosuba because there are a lot of spin-offs devoted to her feels. I mean, she's the focus of the movie too, so I was going to say, I feel like every time there's a new Konosuba spinoff, I feel like it always revolves around her. Yeah. 
but no, yeah. Uh, just moving on from that. Uh, th- now, th- this one I know I've talked about with Bomber. Uh, one of the last times we um, we covered news together was uh, Last Round Arthurs, which uh, I-, I know is originally a light novel, I believe. Uh, and this is basically just like the manga adaptation of that. And uh, just just to kind of give it like a recap, uh, I think it's it's essentially about a guy who who runs into this girl who basically like joins him in order to uh, to help him become like King Arthur's successor. And it's, it's it's this whole thing where like she doesn't really like take the whole thing seriously, and like and uh, uh, that, that's at least that's at least like from what I remember of it. Um, but yeah, uh, it's not it's not an interesting. I remember. I remember Bomber and I compared it to like an episode of Sket Dance almost with the way that it sounded like it could play out. Mm. Um but yeah, no, that's uh, that's it, uh, that's it for that. Uh and then we have uh Majo Raba Majo Reba from uh, Sakurai Ato. Yep, the creator of today's Severus. In which uh our main character Haruka Kuse sees uh Maruna Rinjo as his savior. Uh he owes his life to her uh, for for blood transfusion, but what he never knew is that she's a, actually a witch, and Haruka wants to repay the favor somehow. And the answer is cross dressing to help Marna pass her magic exams. So, uh, it's already a pretty interesting premise. Yeah, gender bending witch manga. Notably, the Empress announced this license kind of like a few days before it was announced. The manga is actually ending, and like. Sakurai is ending the series kind of prematurely because of low sales of the first volume in Japan. Oh, that's a shame. So the manga is ending in May, and then the second and third volumes of the manga are going to come out in Japan in June. So it'll be about just a three-volume manga. So I think we'll also see all three volumes come out fairly quickly over here, too. Mm, Okay. Actually, speaking of manga ending, uh, I think this next title is uh, actually supposed to be ending this year in May. Uh, I, I thought I saw something about it uh, just before we re- started recording, actually. Uh, that title being uh, Yoshino Zuikara, uh, The Frog in the Well Does Not Know the Ocean, uh, from creator uh, Yoshino Satsuki, who uh, apparently is the author of Barakamon. So if you're a fan of this series, this might uh, this might pique your interest. Um, because it, it's kind of about the same sort of thing, almost, where, you know, uh, this and Barakamon kind of deal with, uh, somebody who is basically just struggling creatively. Uh, the, the difference with this being that, uh, you know, uh, the main character of, uh, Zuikara is basically a, a 10-year manga artist, uh, whose experience is only in, like, fantasy-type stuff, uh, but now he has to draw something like uh, he he has to draw a more down the earth story about regular people. Uh, so I'm guessing like a slice of life kind of thing. Um, again, uh, Bar- Barakamon was essentially kind of about the same thing, except that was more specifically about like calligraphy. But yeah, no, I'm personally I really enjoyed Barakamon at least from what I watched of the anime. So uh, I would not mind giving this uh, giving this a chance. And again, it's. Uh, Apparently going to be ending in Japan soon, so I can't imagine. I I think it's only been running for like a year or two, so I don't think it'll end up being super long. So, you know, there you go. You should you should go check this out. It sounds like something I'd be very interested in personally. But next up, we have Aka Thirteen Territory Inspection Department PS, 
Aka 13 is a is another manga from uh, Natsume Ono who uh I know had an anime um I know got an anime for it like a, a couple of years ago at this point. I st- I've never watched Aka 13 so like unfortunately like I don't I don't know much about it so I can't really like comment on on this side story thing in particular but um essentially if you're a fan of Aka 13 and you want to read more of it uh this is your chance. So that'll be coming out at some point. And then essentially after that we have, uh, I guess, what's going to be the omnibus edition of the manga for uh, Madoka Magica. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure the manga in this case is like based on the anime because I think the anime was original, wasn't it? Um, yeah. The I mean, it was originally manga from Oh, was it? So. Okay, see, I didn't know yeah. that. All right. Um. Well, hey, you know what? If you're a fan of Madoka Magica and uh, oh no, we're on Madoka now. Yeah, no, Madoka's anime first okay so yeah that's what i thought adaptation yeah but if so if you're a fan of madoka magica and uh maybe you haven't picked up the manga yet and you want to pick it up in a slightly cheaper format there it is right there it's coming out soon um in general i don't i don't think at this time yen press has any release dates for any of these upcoming uh titles so there's that all right but uh now we are gonna move on to kodansha comics and, uh, I mean, essentially, uh, a lot of these, I, I know by the time you're listening to this, and even at the time we're recording this, uh, some of these are kind of already out. But, you know, obviously we still thought these were worth mentioning nonetheless. Uh, first off, we have a condition called Love from uh, Megumi Morino, who is also the author of uh, Wake Up and Sleeping Beauty. Uh, this The first volume of this Wake came- Up Sleeping Beauty is the title. Oh, is it? Okay. I thought they were separate things. Uh, The first volume of this came out on March 3rd, and uh, we have Hotaru, who is a 16-year-old high school first year who has always been ambivalent about love, preferring instead to have a lively life with her family and friends. So when she sees her schoolmate, uh, Hana Oi, sitting in the snow after a messy public breakup, she thinks nothing of offering her to share her umbrella, but when he asks her out in the middle of her classroom the next day, she can't help but feel that her life is about to change in a big way. So, that's a pretty standard, cute little uh, romantic story. It sounds like it'd be really cute. And then next up is a title that I'm, I know is getting an anime soon. Uh, My Roomie is a Dino! from author uh, Moriko Mori and uh, illustrator Kota Tomimura. Okay, this synopsis I have to read because this is pretty funny. So, we've all been there. A couple of drinks too many and a hazy wander back to your home where you wake up wondering how you got there. But in Kayade's case, not only was she not sure how she got home, she wasn't sure how the dinosaur got there either. Uh, The two are soon fast friends, but though their personalities jive... They'll have to learn how to communicate in order to live peacefully together. The dinosaur looks kind of like a Muppet. Like, <laughs> its mouth, its eyes, it reminds me of Cookie Monster. He kind of does. Um, I think I saw a trailer for the anime of this, and like, um, it already looked pretty funny, so I might have to check out the manga for this. This seems pretty good. Um, now, this ne- this next one I know is uh, pretty good. Or it sounds pretty good, I should say. Uh, with Kakushigoto, or My Dad's Secret Ambition, uh, from author Koji Kumeta, who apparently was is the author of Sayonara Zetsubo Sensei, which is pretty interesting. Um, th- see, now that I see that, and I'm looking at the front cover, like, I could totally see it now. 
Yeah, the the face of the female character in the cover art, especially, is reminiscent of his character designs in that series. Oh, for sure. I mean, the hairstyle of the dude, too, is kind of like that, I suppose. Yeah, and essentially, this series seems to be about a single father uh, with a secret, uh, and that secret being he is a top-selling manga artist of a raunchy series that perhaps isn't suitable reading material for his young daughter, and... Uh, so that means he basically has to hide it all from her, no matter what in, uh, hijinks ensue. I've always kind of wondered, like, what it would be like for, like, a popular, like, erotic manga artist to, like, have a kid and still be, like, working on that kind of thing. So uh, this will probably answer my questions. And so, yeah, this this sounds pretty ripe for Comedy Gold, and I'm definitely going to be reading this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and apparently it's getting an anime on April 2nd, so... Uh, hopefully that gets picked up, because uh, I would definitely watch this. And so, yeah, by by the time this episode of the podcast is out, you'll be able to read the first volume of this. Uh, it'll have already come out on March 17th. What's coming out soon after this podcast is uh, Star Crossed from author Junko, uh, the author of uh, Kiss Him, Not Me. Uh, b- basically in which you have this girl named uh, Azusa, who is who is a fan of a particular idol group. I guess is uh, more so in love with uh, with a member of an idol group called Prince For You, and uh, she ends up in a situation where she accidentally like dies trying and failing uh, to save this person, and so she gets to go to heaven with him, but uh, basically God's like, hey, sorry about that, like it's not your time. <laughs> uh, and God says this one is on him. God sends him back to continue their lives as normal except they have their souls in the wrong bodies and apparently they could switch back and forth by kissing each other so this is like yamada Khan meets you yu hakusho yeah meets <laughs> i guess what idol show i guess uh budokan the current idol show maybe let's say but yeah it's like a mix of some a lot of different premises I, I was definitely thinking Yamada could and the Seven Witches, except uh, at a more extreme level. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they, they didn't have to die first. <laughs> as, as much as I wasn't really super interested in, like, Kiss Him, Not Me in particular, I would not mind checking this out. It sounds like it could be fun. Yeah, I mean, the premise is definitely crazy enough to attract interest, for sure. All right, but next up we have A Sign of Affection from Sue Morishita, who is the author of uh, Short Cake Cake, and I guess is coming out on March 31st, uh, in which Yuki is a typical college student whose world revolves around her friends, social media, and the latest sales. Uh, But when a chance encounter on a train leads her to meeting a friend of a friend and fellow student Itsutomi, uh, her world starts to widen. Uh, but even though Itsutomi can speak three languages, sign language isn't one of them. And can the two learn to communicate the budding feelings between them? So th- this this sounds like this sounds all good and everything. But I, I guess the only thing that confuses me is that I guess I guess is is Yuki the one that needs to that needs sign language in order to communicate with people? That's what it seems like, because. It's Suomi is the one who can't do sign language, which means Yuki is the one who does do sign language. So, yeah, it seems like she communicates through sign language. Okay, yeah, I I wasn't entirely sure about that, but uh, yeah, this this kind of sounds like an like a 
uh, something sort of similar to like a silent voice where it's like a, a series about a character with a, with a disability and how they communicate with each other and uh as far as that aspect goes i'm i'm that makes me kind of interested in reading this so mm-hmm. should probably put that on my list uh this one is a pretty big one because i know a v lord in particular has been really waiting for this one yeah i mean we lord and allison talked about it on droning in manga back when they were doing that like the first couple chapters of this so yeah i mean it's been a long time since then i'm looking forward to it coming out Yes, and uh, the series we are talking about is Orient from Shinobu Otaka, who is also the author of of Magi, Magi. Magi Ma- is how Magi. they pronounce yes. it. Yes, I mean okay. it's supposed to be Magi, but you know they they pronounce it wrong. <laughs> 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 they pronounce it Magi, uh, so whatever. so Magi. Yes, I I've, I've never really had to say the title out loud before, so I wasn't sure. Uh, and so the first volume of this is coming out on April seventh. Uh, and the synopsis for this one's pretty short, but somewhat explanatory, I guess. Uh, ancient Japanese warriors invade from another world and motorcycles? You don't want to miss this crazy action-packed shonen manga by the creator of Magi. So this already sounds like, this just sounds like Otaka's take on, like, Sengoku Pasara. Because like yeah, the, the, that, that's, that's like the that's like the first <laughs> thing I thought of when I thought of ancient Japanese warriors and motorcycles. Because I know I know Date Masamune in Sengoku Basara, he doesn't ride a motorcycle, but he does ride a horse with with handlebars tied to the to his horse. Uh, because that's just the kind of series that Sengoku Basara is. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I I really don't know. Uh, like, but before I saw the what little synopsis they they give for this series like i really didn't know anything about orient at all um other than it was from the person who did uh magi so um i mean again v lord has really been wanting like a simulpub for this for like the longest time and though i don't know if they have plans for that kind of thing i mean it's 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 good that they've like it's good that kodansha has finally like picked this up so yeah and I'm always down for another fantasy series from Magi, because Magi was really great. And I'm looking forward to seeing what her new take is. The most I know about Orient is that there is a fight that starts in the first volume that lasts the entire volume and goes into the next volume. So <laughs> it starts off very battle-heavy. All right, whole, whole volumes worth the fights. Uh, that's <laughs> I, I don't mind that personally, as long as the fight's good. So you know, there's that. Uh, all right, next up we have uh, the hero life of a self-proclaimed mediocre demon uh, from authors uh, Shiroichi Amaui, Tamagono Kimi, and Koneko Koneko Ko. Boy, those are real tongue twisters. Uh, uh, the first volume of that's coming out on April fourteenth. And um, basically, from from the premise, it, it sounds like it, it's about a it's about a young demon who he uh, he travels all the way from a small village to study at a prestigious school connected to the Demon King's castle, um, and he's determined to basically keep his uh, keep his status a secret as a as a country bumpkin. Uh, he just wants to kind of keep to himself, keep a low profile, not cause any big waves or nothing. But then uh, his groundbreaking performances and uh, on his first test basically attracts the attention of uh, not only some gorgeous classmates, um, but the Demon King herself. And then uh, basically from there, our main character's dreams of a happy normal school life uh, may die in the dungeons, just like him. So... 
I guess the only thing that kind of confuses me about this premise is, like, I, I totally get just wanting to kind of keep to yourself and not, like, call a lot of attention to yourself. I totally feel that, because I was definitely that kind of person in high school. But I don't know how he expects to do that when he's going to a school that seemingly is meant to help groom people to become the next Demon King? Am I, am I the only one that thinks that? Yeah, I'm not really sure what his goal is i mean outside of like living a unassuming life like i i guess that's my thing is if you if you don't want to i mean if you want to lead an unassuming life what go to an unassuming school i don't know i just don't really understand the logic there like i don't know what he's expecting maybe it's the only school in his area maybe um that, that, that would explain it. Um, all right. But uh, last but not least, we have Dolly Kill Kill from authors Yuki Aki Kurando and Yusuke Nomura, which will be coming out on April 21st. And, uh, you know, it's about our main character, Irima Ikaruga, who is living his best life in high school until mascot looking aliens from another world invade with their flesh eating bugs. Seemingly hell bent on destroying human humanity violently and effectively, uh, and on that fateful day, Irma loses everything. He loses his normal life, his best friend, and even his crush. Until six months later, when he catches a glimpse of her again, and is all hope for humanity or just Irma himself truly lost? So this sounds very similar to a manga I'm reading right now called uh, Magical Girl Apocalypse, where it's basically uh, you're invaded by all these like. Things that are, like, normally cute, but, like, are cute in, like, the creepy way, almost. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It sounds like the kind of thing I would at least, like, I would check out and give a chance. It, it could be, uh, I mean, if it's anything like Magical Girl Apocalypse, it's pro- it's probably very, like, gory and campy <laughs> and whatnot. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I'm, I'm all about that kind of thing every once in a while. But I don't know, uh, Lum, do you have any other thoughts on these financial licenses at all? They certainly license a lot of titles from established big-name authors. Like, we got Megami Morino, we got Koji Kometa, Junko Sumarshita, and Shinobu Otaka. So, I mean, they really hit out of the park with getting, like, new up-and-coming series from, like, big authors. So, props to them. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, a a lot of these I actually really want to read. Yeah, a lot of these are really interesting. Like, I would definitely like to read them. I definitely... for sure get orient for sure mm-hmm. yeah o- orient and my my roomie is a dino i think are probably the two i'd want to read the most mm-hmm. all right but uh we have one more piece of licensing news oh man i am almost out of breath okay so um this one is pretty important though because uh at the time of this recording uh we we just got news of some new licenses from an from a new US manga publisher. Another one. There's finally some more competition. Uh that being uh Kaiten Books, who uh Lam, I think you were telling me off mic that uh, they had just started up a Twitter account recently. Yeah. They just began their Twitter account or I mean, they apparently have had it since last July, but only in the last week or so have they really been, you know, using the account. Their first tweet was on March 13th, and then they just made their announcement like, hey, we're here, and then they announced, like, their new licenses. 
Um, but yeah, uh, apparently Kaiten Books is a new California-based uh, manga localizing and publishing company who has announced uh, two licenses very recently, uh, that being uh, Loner Life in Another World from Shoji Goji and BB, as well as Shed That Skin, Ryugasaki-san from uh, Kazutomo Ichitomo. And so uh, Loner Life in Another World uh, is going to be available digitally on March 31st uh, via Amazon, uh, in particular, uh, with a print version uh, also coming down the pike line. Uh, that's what they're planning anyway. And uh, I like the way this premise starts off. Is one really the loneliest number? <laughs> and essentially, this seems to be another like isekai thing, uh, except... You know, you have your main character, Haruka, who is your average high school loner. He just kind of minds his own business, keeps to himself. Uh, also, he can make it through his high school career uh, until one day he is suddenly sent to another world along with the rest of his class. Uh, and before he knows it, he's essentially face to face with the god of this new world who gives him a list of uh, of like of like cheat skills or cheat codes or whatever you want to call them to kind of choose from. Uh, but the catch is, uh, it's first come, first serve, and his classmates have basically already beaten him to the punch. I'm guessing that means they probably, basically they got to all the good ones already, probably. <laughs> and so Haruka basically has to make do with what he has uh, as he navigates his way through this new world, all while flying solo. So yeah, this actually sounds like it could be kind of interesting. Like, I, uh, the, the premise kind of leaves it open as to whether, like, Haruka gets to like choose anything at all or like if if he does get to choose something they they kind of keep it under wraps as to like what he chooses so like I'm kind of interested in seeing where that goes mm -hmm. so they, 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 they give you just enough info but they don't like give away everything so I, I appreciate that uh, this next one however I feel like is pretty um it's a simpler premise with uh, Shed That Skin Ryukasaki-san, which uh, does not have a debut date yet, so we don't know when this is coming out. Uh, but is essentially about our main character, who is a lizard girl. Uh, literally, like, you know, she has a chameleon's tongue, you know, she has, like, two, uh, she has a third eyelid, she, sh she can, like, shed her skin, and she does so multiple times a year. And normally this wouldn't be an issue, but uh, she suddenly finds herself, uh, or... Her skin, specifically, uh, the target of her classmates' affections. And, uh, yeah, this classmate in particular has a specific interest in, like, reptiles. And uh, that's why Ryukasaki's unique physio physiological features have caught his inquisitive, meticulous eye. And, uh, apparently, this story is of a budding romance between these two very unusual individuals. Yeah, it sounds like another interesting Monster Girl kind of manga. Yeah, I didn't even think about it. I guess this would technically be a Monster Girl manga, huh? Yeah, for um for, for, for their first two licenses, these I I think these are both interesting enough. Ryu Kasaki-san probably being the most like unique out of the two, I would say. But yeah, no, I'm uh I would not mind checking these out and you know, most of all, I, I wish Kaiten Books, you know, good luck in their endeavors and I, I hope I hope these do well for them, so Yeah. And you can follow them on Twitter for the latest news about their releases and any updates at Kitan Books. All right. And uh, Lum, my good friend, I think that's finally it for licenses. And boy, that was a lot of talking. 
Yes, that was a lot of licenses. I mean, it's crazy just how packed the year is already with new books that have been announced to come out. But we're not done with the show quite yet because we still have some industry news to go over. First, we have some conversation to discuss on the subject of piracy because the big four publishers, Katakawa, Kodansha, Shueisha, and Shigakakan, have reached a settlement with Cloudfare. And so they apparently reached that settlement uh, back last June. But basically, Cloudfare agreed to stop catching content on its Japanese servers from specified piracy websites if the Tokyo District Court deems that the sites are infringing on copyright. So this has been something that's been in the works since August of 2018 when the publishers contacted Cloudfare to stop hosting content for several piracy sites. And these included, like, quite a few different sites. And so, yeah, they filed a lawsuit. And basically, they have kind of reached an agreement that Cloudfare is, like, going to stop, you know, hosting this content on Japanese servers. And uh, in another case, there was also uh, news about Takashobo and a male manga creator filing a lawsuit with the Tokyo District Court against Cloudfare. So this is kind of all kind of compiling on top of each other, where now Cloudfare is going to be like really, you know, strict and watchful that in copyright infringing works are not uploaded on their servers. But yeah, that's just another update in this piracy story. And basically, as a result of this, hopefully we will see less pirated content, less piracy websites being hosted up, at least on Japanese servers. And hopefully these extensions will extend overseas too, so that, you know, people can't use Cloudfare to illegally distribute manga illegally. But now let's go into some more miscellaneous little fun stories before we end off with some like bigger, bigger stories. I mean, we'll come back to the subject of copyright later, but let's talk about the box office because My Hero Academia Heroes Rising has done quite well for itself at the box office. It has to date grossed over $13 million, well on its way, I think, to grossing $15 million, which would match its Japanese box office gross if they end up making it to that amount, which would be quite impressive. And that, I thought, was just worth highlighting because you don't normally see that that an anime film comes out over here in the U.S. and makes as much money, if not more, than the original Japanese theatrical run. And I think it just goes to show the power of anime at the box office here in the U.S., and that hopefully will start turning heads and lead to even more and more wider releases for films. I guess. I guess my only question is like I didn't even. I, I just thought about this. Um, I guess where. Uh, I guess as far as like domestic grosses, where where does this, where does this leave Heroes Rising as far as like, uh, ranking um, um North American anime releases. It is Funimation's second highest ever grossing film after Dragon Ball Super Broly in terms of. Overall, anime theatrical runs, I think it might barely squeeze in to the bottom of the top ten. That's that's kind of what I thought. No, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 really happy that Heroes Rising has uh, done so well. Like, uh, I think I said on the show before that I was kind of hoping it would make at least double what uh, Two Heroes did, and uh, it did just that. Yeah, it's on its way to triple. Um, I w- I was kind of I was kind of hoping for. I don't know, like, 
a, a, a very small part of me was kind of hoping it would do Broly money, but I kind of also knew that that it's not it's not impossible, but it was probably you know unlikely. At this point, it's unlikely to reach Broly numbers, but again, I think it's still pretty impressive that it may surpass the Japanese box office gross for the film. That is surprising. Um, I'm, I mean, I I guess I know like. I know, like, the Japanese box office has, like, different standards for, like, you know... Well, it's a lot smaller. There are a lot less theaters in Japan than compared to over here. Uh, Population is also a lot smaller, too. So, I mean, that is kind of one factor. But, I mean, it shows the power and value of, like, releasing anime films theatrically in the U.S. box office market. I guess that's true, yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I'm, I, in general, I'm, I'm happy that Heroes Rising has been doing so well. And yeah, I mean, if you, if you haven't seen it and it's still at a theater near you, I'm not sure what its release will be like by the time this episode is out, but if you happen to see it somewhere near you, go see it. And now let's go back to the subject of manga creators seeing on piracy. There was a, like, recent story about a at least a user claiming to be the creator of a BL manhwa, Tian Pan, Heising Young. They posted a message on the comics page on a manga piracy site on MangaGoGo, and they asked users to stop illegally uploading the manhwa and spoke about losing their motivation to draw it because of the piracy and tried in legal action against the website. And they make basically a good point about like how them illegally uploading their work makes them feel terrible and it shows a lack of support for them. And they also point out that buying the comic costs as much as one candy per chapter and they don't want readers to be like criminals who steal candy, basically. So, you know, basically a good point. So, like, they're monitoring illegal copies and translations. They're trying to pursue legal action against illegal site uploaders and users, even though it's going to take time. And, yeah, basically the message they have is for people to stop using illegal sites to read their work. Because also, you know, it's disheartening that more readers are subscribed to the piracy site than the official website the comic is being serialized on. So again, this is just another statement directly from a mangaka about how piracy affects them and hurts them and a call to stop doing it and goes to show that, yes, you know, if you really want to respect mangaka and support the work they do, don't read their work on illegal sites. Read and purchase the official release. And that's another just point that this story really highlights. And there also is another update in terms of Japanese copyright law. Like the bill that has been in the works for a long time has been revised to now cover downloads of manga magazines and academic works. So, you know, if you knowingly download illegally uploaded or pirated manga magazines, academic works, like, you can be criminally charged for them. Originally, previously, the law was only formalizing punishment for downloads of illegally uploaded music videos. So now this extends to printed materials as well. And so they are hoping to implement this revision by January 1st in 2021. 
And this new revision also bans leech sites that aggregate and provide hyperlinks to pirated media. And they're planning to implement that by October 1st. But this revision still allows for the posting of panels from manga or posting photographs for the manga is not the focus of the photo. And the revision is not going to publish people who download derivative works such as doujinshi or fanfiction. So some good updates on the piracy situation on that end. And now we get into one of the bigger and most troubling stories in the past few weeks. And that is that Eichiro Oda is interviewing Rony Ketchupir and Nobuhiro Watsuki for an event catalog uh, that will be on sale in the Rony Ketchupir 25th Anniversary Exhibition in Gallery Amo in Bukyo City, Tokyo, which is running from April to June. And it is definitely disheartening to see Ichiro Oda basically support Watsuki in this manner. Basically participate in a promotional event for Watsuki. Again, Nobuhiro Watsuki was convicted uh, many years ago for possession of child pornography. He basically got a slap on the wrist and was only charged $2,000 in fine. And the Rurouni Ketchup Hokkaido arc has continued in Jump Square and is now even being adapted into a stage play in addition to films coming out adapting the final arc of the original manga. So basically Watsuki is doing just fine and Rurouni Ketchup products are still being made and created. So... It's kind of disheartening to see that Watsi has not been punished at all for the crime he committed. And it's also really disappointing to see that Ichiroda is publicly associating and helping promote his work. As he, Oda, is the number one comics artist in Japan, perhaps like the world. Uh, he has drawn and written the best-selling series. So, like, his endorsement of Watsuki is pretty meaningful. Like, it definitely turns heads and will sell copies. So it's really disappointing to see him use his power to promote a pedophile, basically. Obviously, we know that Oda was an assistant of Watsuki's back when Kenshin was running. And so, of course, he's a close friend of Watsuki's and whatnot. It's just, however, you have to just keep in mind that even though he is his friend, he did not necessarily have to participate in this. So he is like willingly doing this. Like he has the power as, again, best-selling comics artist to choose whether to do this or not. But whether it be out of obligation or because of friendship, he is doing this. So we're not going to probably have a lengthy conversation on this. I think our stance has been pretty firm that we do not support Watsky. We do not believe in promoting his work or in purchasing his work because he has not admitted to any wrongdoings on his part. He has not made an attempt to atone or to change or to apologize. And I think the One Piece podcast did a great conversation on this recently that they basically spent 40 minutes, you know, just having a roundtable discussion about, you know, how they made this feel and how disappointed they were about this. And then kind of discussing, like, you know, what it means to continue to be a fan of One Piece and Oda and still, like, support and love the work, even though they don't support and love the decisions made by the person behind the work. 
So I thought that was a good conversation and that we will leave a link to that for like a further, you know, conversation that goes more in depth on the topic. I think though, you know, our stance, my stance is, is that, yeah, it's just very disappointing to see Oda kind of use his power and his privileges to promote someone who, again, committed a pretty heinous crime when he could so easily have abstained from that. What kind of disturbs me about this is that, you know, he's so willing to associate with Watsky in public when, like, yeah. you know, Oda has children of his own that are around the same age that, uh, you know, is of Watsky's uh, preference, I believe. So that's kind of, that's kind of, you know, messed up when you think about it like that. Like, yeah, I mean, it's also... Again, this is an, an also unfortunate follow-up of the precedent set by Shimabukuro, which is why I've also developed more uncomfortable feelings about that creator and situation. And that Oda spoke up for Shimabukuro back in the day and basically helped him get back into Jump after you know his allegations. And then also continued to help cross-promote his work as well. And so he's kind of doing the same thing with Watsuki here. It's not like Watsuki needed to be rehabilitated because he didn't face any consequences. Like, things have been going swimmingly for him with these, all these new projects and promotional stuff. But, like, Oda promoting him is just another, like, kick in the pants of, like, just how much Watsuki has gotten away with what he did without any charges, without any punishments, or any hint of, like, that anyone has taken this seriously and is going to seriously address this and fight for change. Uh, yeah, I, I think my stance in particular, um, which I've kind of adopted kind of thanks to the One Piece podcast, you know, like you said, uh, ta talking about this thing, you know, recently on a recent special podcast of theirs. Well, we'll definitely leave a link to that in the show notes because people should really listen to that for a, 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 a definitely a more lengthier discussion on this topic than I think we really have time to. But like... You know, essentially, like, I, I think my stance on this thing is, in particular, is that it, it it's kind of unfortunate because, like, on one hand, I could, on a, on a level, I could kind of understand, to a point, you know, Oda wanting to, wanting to defend Shimabukuro or Watsuki just because, like, these people are his friends, and that that's not me making excuses. That's just me kind of trying to understand why he would do it. But I think, I think I would feel a lot better about him still associating with, you know, both of these people is if it was in private, not like a public promotional event that is meant to, you know, help sell his work. Well, that and like if if Oda was maybe more supportive about the both of them getting better and maybe seeking help for this kind of thing, but. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, that's not even a part of the conversation, it seems. So it's like, Watsky admitting to any wrongdoings and, like, seeking treatment or therapy. Like, that was never... That never has come up. Watsky apologized for the manga going on hiatus. Nothing else. And that was the end of the conversation, it seems. Like, I would feel so much better about, you know, possibly... Uh, revisiting Kenshin at any point in my life, if if Watsky would just come out and be like, "Hey, I know what I did was wrong. I want to get better. I hope you'll forgive me," or just something, just some some kind of personal 
apology from him and not just something from Shueisha, you know, basically trying to cover their asses. Like, it's just... We, we, we've, we've talked about this so much at one point before, and I don't want to, like... I don't want to, like, accidentally repeat ourselves too much. But, you know, like, o- Oda in particular still still associating with him in public is just again i i feel like it's just kind of a, a a betrayal of 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 his fans and in a way kind of of like all the children who like you know read and enjoy one piece you know it's just that's just that's just the way i see it personally but yeah i mean Unfortunately, based on the SBS, Oda has been dismissive of fans' concerns and criticisms before, especially regarding the treatment of women in the series. But this is like just an extra layer of, man, how can you justify this? That's very disappointing. Like, I, and and this could change, probably, but for now, I'm going to say that while this does hurt, it's not it's not enough to like make me decide to stop reading one piece altogether, but it is it is still one of those things that it's like, yeah, you know, I, I kinda I I I I really thought Oda was better than this, but unfortunately it just doesn't it doesn't seem like he cares at all. I don't know, I don't know what to think of this. Like it's it's not I mean maybe maybe there's stuff we don't know going on behind the scenes. I don't know. We only know so much. Like we we only know as much as like what's reported, I guess, but at the same time like it's it's just from what we've been given, it just it it's not a good look. It doesn't look like a good situation at all. So, I don't know what else we're supposed to think. Yeah. Um but I think we could probably just leave it there. Yeah, there's nothing to really do about this situation. We can't control what Ichiro Oda does. We can perhaps write polite letters encouraging to reconsider doing things like this in the future. But, I mean, ultimately it will be on him and it will be up to us individually to decide like how we feel about the creator and how we feel about the series and whether we can separate those feelings. Essentially. But we will end up with a light piece of news, you know, like a fun thing to look forward to in the future, and that's a new character popularity poll. This time, Viz is doing one for Demon Slayer. You can head over onto the Viz website now. You know, if you click basically Demon Slayer's tab, and if you've not voted in already, you'll get like a pop up that will provide like a scroll down menu of options of characters you can vote for. And so you can vote for your favorite character. That'll be compiled in uh, presumably in a couple months. We'll get the results of that. And uh, the poll goes away once you vote on it. So you can't really access it again. But yeah. Well, uh, we'll leave a link in the show notes for uh, for the tweet that uh, at least takes you to the poll and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, basically it pops up when you click on Demon Slayer's page on the Shonen Jump website. Yeah, which uh they they've they've never really done it like that with any of their other polls, so like that's that's kind of interesting. But yeah, um I I actually voted in this poll just because, you know, I've I've seen I've seen enough Demon Slayer to have like a favorite character and uh maybe maybe some of you can I won't I don't know, maybe it's not maybe it's not as obvious cuz I I haven't had the chance to talk about Demon Slayer much, but uh uh Lambda, did you vote in the poll? I did. Who'd you vote for? I voted for Canal. Hmm. All right. I voted for Inosuke. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Well, both of those characters are involved in probably my favorite fight in the entire series so far. So, both good choices. Oh, yeah, that's right. Both very, very emotional for both characters. Oh, wow. I need to read more Demon Slayer. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if you haven't had the chance to vote in the character popularity poll for Demon Slayer, you should go do that. Um, I'd be really interested in seeing who the most popular characters are. I mean... I'm sure Demon Slayer has had, like, plenty of polls before this, right? Yes, I believe it did have a character popularity poll in Japan before. Let me see if I can bring that up. I'd, I'd be kind of interested in knowing, like, currently who, like, the most popular characters are. Because, uh, again, obviously, I, I haven't seen much of Demon Slayer past the ending of this last season. But, uh... Yeah, I had to sell. So I'm sure there are a lot of other characters that, like, I haven't met yet. But, like, I don't know. I'm I'm just, I'm kind of curious, like, what a top 10 for Demon Slayer would look like in particular. Yeah, so in the first character popularity poll in Japan, which was about two years ago... I forget around what chapter this came out of. But it was but it was definitely after like the Infinity Train arc, probably. Yes, right? definitely. Considering okay. that uh Rengoku was in the top ten. But yeah, so the top ten for that poll was I guess ten to one. Makomo came at number ten. Makomo was like one of the two spirits that trained Tanjiro. Well oh, okay. Who's training under Rokodaga. She was the girl. And then nine was Gatoge themselves. <laughs> that's that's nice. Eight was Kanao. Seven was Rengoku. Six was Shinobu. Five was Inosuke. Yes. Four was Giyu. Three was Nezuko. Two was Zenitsu. And one was Sanjiro. Zenitsu, very popular with the Japanese fandom, unlike the American fandom. That is really... I was not expecting Zenitsu to be at number two. Um, Again, I I don't think Zenitsu is a bad character. I just... I would love him so much more if I didn't think a lot of his bits were just... I I just don't think they're funny. I'm just so sorry. (laughs) Zenitsu is so popular. He apparently ranked number 29 in the Last Promise Neverland character popularity (laughs) poll. Wow, okay. It's kind. Of, it's kind of like how. Um, it's kind of like in how one of the last um, character popularity polls for My Hero Academia. I think Katsura ranked uh, somewhere in that poll or whatever, which was pretty good. Or the main heroine of Double Arts ranking number ten in one of the Nisekoi character popularity polls. <laughs> see, see at least, see at least that makes sense. Both those series are by the same artist, so yeah. there's some there's some precedent there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's. It's, it's, it's really funny how some of these random characters show up in these polls. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah, uh, again, like we said, if you haven't voted in this poll, you should go do that if you're a Demon Slayer fan. And uh, yeah, uh, hopefully, ho- hopefully Inosuke wins. Um, <laughs> but that about does it for all the news in this episode. And indeed, it was a lot of it to cover. But now we'll wrap up with some community shoutouts on the subject of Demon Slayer. Of course, our good companion, compatriot V-Lord, host of Demon Slayer Podcast. And V-Lord has been recently involved in a few things I'd also like to shout out. First, V-Lord wrote an article for Tanami Faithful called The Shonen Jump Love Affair. Basically describing how Tanami right now is pretty chock full of Shonen Jump series. And so some people are not 
super happy with that. They would like a little variety. But Vidor basically goes into the fact that, you know, it's a little rejected to say, oh, well, they're all from Shonen Jump, so they're all the same. And goes into, like, how a lot of newer Jump series are very different and approach, like, kind of the similar ethos of friendship, effort, victory in different ways, but in distinctive, interesting ways. And so... Wheelart highlights series like Promise Neverland, Jujutsu Kaiser, Chainsaw Man, and Octodge, and describes like what makes them so appealing and interesting, why they'd be great fits for the block whenever they get an anime. So that's a very good piece. Yeah, yeah, that sounds that sounds like a really interesting article. Um, just because I, I know I've seen my fair share of people who always like kind of put jump in this corner of like, oh well, you know, it's it's all it's it's all the same stuff, uh, and like shown shown jump and like shonen series in particular just kind of have that stigma of always just being like carbon copies of each other, which. I won't say there's no truth to that, but at the same time, like m- most people don't realize that, like you know, there there is enough differences between a lot of these bigger shonen jump things that I don't know. I, I I do agree that sometimes a lot of the discussion on this kind of thing can be kind of reductive and is never really as nuanced as I would like it to be. So, uh, good on V Lord. I'll have to, I'll have to check out that article. Mm-hmm. And Wheelord's also involved in another podcast project. So Tanami Faithful has started off like kind of a spin-off sub-series podcast project called uh, Gundam Wing Group Watch. Basically, it's been 20 years since Gundam Wing debuted on Tanami. So a lot of the TF crew are going to go through Gundam Wing uh, a couple episodes at a time. Oh, wow. And so, you know, Wheelord has never watched Gundam Wing, so he's watching for the first time and offering his perspective on that podcast. So it's a lot of fun because you got people who were there who had watched it on Tanami like 20 years ago, and you got some newcomers like Wheelord. So really, really interesting stuff. Mm, that, sound, that sounds pretty fun. Mm-hmm. And on the subject of new podcasts, I also want to shout out Love It or Weave It, which is also by friend of the show, Jeff Ruberg. It's his new podcast project that he's doing with his friend Annie McCarthy, who I believe also works with this. But basically, their structure is that they are reviewing seasonal anime. They pick a couple uh, at the start of the season. Then they watch the first three episodes of each series and give their thoughts and decide whether they love it or they're going to weep it, or which means basically drop it. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun to listen to their thoughts and opinions on some of the new shows. They have like very interesting, distinct tastes. So like see like their back and forth and like what things like Jeff likes, what things Annie likes and what they dislike is a lot of fun. So do they only, like, talk about the first three episodes of any given show, and then, like, if they decide they, they like it, do they, like, continue with that set show, or? If they like it, they will do a full episode on it at the end of the season. Okay, yeah, I was wondering how that would work. Um, yeah, I, I had seen Jeff post this around, and, uh, yeah, I think, um, I, I definitely need to give it a listen at some point. If I've heard, uh, I've heard good things about it, so. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And it's, you know, they have great banter and can play off each other really nicely. It's like, especially when they disagree, like <laughs> over like minor things, even like the smile down the runway one. But yeah, I'm looking forward to their Beastars episode as well. Because I mean, that's the big anticipated one, I think. Oh, is that, is that what they're doing? Oh, yeah. That's going to be like the next episode they do. Ooh, okay, that's cool. I I need I still need to get uh, yeah, at at the time of this recording, also B Stars is now on Netflix, so go watch that. 
Yeah, I binged it all yesterday. Really good stuff. I was having, I was hesitant whether I wanted to spoil myself for the manga volumes that haven't come out yet, but like I couldn't stop watching it. Really damn well made. As as soon as I finish Castlevania, I am probably going to move on to B Stars. All right, so um, I know we just did community shoutouts, but um, uh, since we have recorded the last episode of this podcast, more news has come up, and more than I thought we had to cover initially from the way uh, my good friend Lum made it sound. I mean, this is pretty much the pre- and post-quarantine news roundup. Not all of these stories are related to the developing situation with the coronavirus, but there were some major stories that came out in the past week that we felt we definitely should address now. Mm-hmm. I, I won't lie, like, you messaged me on Twitter, and I, I think I was just waking up, and you were like, oh man, we should probably like record about all this news. And I'm like, what news? And I'm like, oh, that's right. Uh, uh, that's right. <laughs> the, the, the world is essentially on fire at this point. Uh, and some of that's important to talk about as it relates to, uh, you know, not, not just our world, but like the world of anime and manga at large. Because unfortunately, a lot of this stuff is affecting a lot of the things we love. And we do need to talk about that. But... We do have some lighter news pieces, some some cooler news pieces that I think uh, a lot of people can get excited about. A lot of stuff from uh, from Jump came out uh, since we recorded as well that uh, by the time you're listening to this, will definitely be out there in the ether. But so let, let, let's start off with some extra serialization news. And uh, Bleach fans, I think, are going to be happy. I will just say that because Bleach, for its 20th anniversary will be receiving an anime adaptation of the final arc. That's right, we are finally getting an ad- anime adaptation of the Thousand Year Blood War arc. And uh, that is basically the big announcement that I think, uh, I'm assuming they wanted to make it Anime Japan this year, but unfortunately, that got cancelled. Anime Japan was cancelled, yeah. yeah. I mean, Bleach fans have been waiting eight years since the ending of the Bleach anime for an announcement of more Bleach anime, so this is definitely very exciting. And it makes sense to do it in celebration of the 20th anniversary. Mm -hmm. So I guess the question is, when it'll come out in 2021? Will it be as early as the winter season? Will they save it to closer when the 20th anniversary date is in August? So starting in the summer season, that remains to be seen. We really don't know if Perot will even be returning to do the anime, if the previous staff will be returning for it. But more Bleach anime is definitely an exciting thing. Mm-hmm, for sure. But speaking of, um, I guess this isn't so much Bleach related as it is related to Tight Kubo, but it was also announced in the same issue of Jump that... Burn the Witch, which was a one-shot that Taikubo came out with in Jump, I believe, last year? Or was it the year before? The year before. Okay, man, it's been that long already. Okay, which we have talked about on the podcast before. I think we thought it was all right, if I remember correctly. It was interesting, but apparently that'll be getting its own mini-series in Shonen Jump. It'll be running for a short serialization, and it'll also be even be given an anime which will be coming out in the fall so burn the witch is definitely getting uh the deluxe treatment it seems 
Indeed, Burn the Witch is being adapted as a mid-length anime film by Studio Colorido and Team Yamahitsuji that's set to come out this fall. I'm not totally sure what they mean by mid-length precisely, but my guess based on the phrasing is that it will at least be a 50 or 60 minute film in length, kind of like how long the DBZ films were back in the 90s. Studio Colorido's previous projects include films like Penguin Highway and the ongoing Pokemon Twilight Wing series that you can watch for free on the official Pokemon YouTube channel. True to their name, all of Colorido's works are exceptionally colorful, gorgeous to look at, and wonderfully animated, and Burn the Witch should prove to be no exception. The trailer was unveiled during the Bleach 20th Anniversary Livestream event on YouTube on March 20th and can be found on the Bandai Namco Arts YouTube channel. And everything about the film looks bewitchingly beautiful. The trailer features scenes familiar to the one-shot, but it's likely the film will adapt the entire miniseries, which may recontextualize the events of the one-shot itself. The film will be directed by Tatsuro Kabano, whose previous credits include being an animation director for Kabaneri of the Iron Fortress and Psychopaths 2, and as a key animator for the 2015 Ghost in the Shell movie, Medaka Box, and the opening of Adam the Beginning, and the fourth opening of Boruto, among other projects. He was also the storyboard artist of Penguin Highway. This film will be his first major directing credit, his only previous one being directing the fourth Boruto opening, which he also key animated. But his animation work is generally solid, and based on the trailer, it seems like he's doing a good job so far. Though that may also be thanks to the art director, Kunihiko Inaba, who's done great art direction for other great-looking productions like Madoka Magica and Baby Steps. Not to mention a ton of background artwork for several Naruto films, Anahana, Children Who Chase Last Voices, Fireworks from Up on Poppy Hill, FMA Kakuroshin Ball, The First Gintama Movie, and Welcome to the Space Show, among countless other projects. So yeah, the film's art direction is in a veteran's hands. Other credits include Yuji Shimizu as the assistant director who has previously been an animator and has done in-between work on shows like The Eccentric Family and Mushishi. Color design is being done on Mio Tanaka, another veteran whose credits are extensive but include the likes of Ghost and Shell, Standalone Complex, and Eden of the East. Music is being done by Keiji Inai, whose work you may have previously heard in the Is It Wrong to Try and Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon franchise and the recent One Piece specials like Adventure of Nebulandia and episode of Skypea. I'm not too familiar with many of the other staff credits announced for the project, though I find it interesting that many of them have previously worked with each other on recent projects of the Time Bokan franchise, which I just thought was an interesting connection. In terms of voice actresses, Mini will be played by Asami Tano, who I recognize best as Rin from the Toriko anime, and Noelle will be played by Yuina Yamada, who is a relative newcomer and hasn't been in many roles, much less ones I'm personally familiar with, but both sound pretty good as the characters in the trailer, so the casting seems to fit so far. We still don't know that much about the film and its story, but just based on the animation and Studio Colorido's pedigree alone, I'm really looking forward to this film, and I hope we'll get the chance to see it in theaters when it comes out. It's pretty cool to see Kubo go the Toriyama route of now he's doing short mini-serializations after doing a long-running serialization for over a decade. I think that'll definitely suit his style best because he got really burned out towards the end of Bleach, and he noted that 
by the time that we are going to be reading the manga, he'll have finished it and he'll be playing Animal Crossing. <laughs> so that's also really nice that he's basically finished the manga in advance so he doesn't have to burn himself out with a weekly serialization. But in the meantime, if you didn't get the chance to check out the Burn the Witch one-shot when it came out two years ago, Wiz added it to the Shonen Jump wall last Friday in conjunction with all these announcements. So you can read it for free on there ahead of the manga's weekly serialization this summer, which Viz also confirmed that day will be indeed picking up and simulpuppin'. I also recommend reading the one-shot just because it happens to have been translated by Kayla Cook, lettered by Brandon Movie, and edited by David Rudders, all of which have been previous guests on the show, big fans of Bleach, and worked really hard to do a really great job with it. So definitely support their work by checking that out. Mm-hmm. It's also still Bleach related, of course, because Burn the Witch is set in the same universe as Bleach. So that's right. I that's forgot another about that. cool little project to do in conjunction with the 20th anniversary of the series. Mm-hmm. So uh, no date for any of this so far, I guess, other than the anime adaptation of Burn the Witch. I'm not sure when it'll be running in Jump so far. Mm-hmm. Maybe as early as the next serialization cycle, which should assuredly be coming soon, considering that there are series that are definitely ending soon, as well as the series that has already ended by the time you are listening to this. And it's very funny that Jump is bringing in Kubo and trading out Kishimoto, because Samurai 8 has officially come to an end of the most recent issue of Shonen Jump. It ends with chapter 43, and with its fifth volume that will be out in Japan in May, and here in the US probably based on the schedule next January, but yeah. Oh, boy. Samurai Hate, it was given a huge promotional push. They really hyped it up. They released two volumes at once in Japan and gave it a big marketing push and big first printing. It did not perform. It has not caught on with a significant audience. There are diehard fans who are definitely very disappointed that the series is ending. But, alas, Kishimoto was not able to strike the iron twice. He did not produce a hit with Samurai 8. He might want to stick with ninjas instead of Samurai. Oh boy, this is... You know, as much as I kind of lost interest in Samurai 8, I feel really bad for Kishimoto, because it really sounded like, from what we had been hearing of this project, like, all the way back at, like, two years ago, three years ago, somewhere in that ballpark, like, it really sounded like he was really working hard on, like, and just putting his heart into, like, and, like, developing this world and everything. You could tell, like, like, I feel like Samurai 8 had interesting ideas, but, like, I don't know, like, I think I dropped the series around, like, 17 chapters in, even 17 chapters in, like, it still just felt like more than half the series was just, like, a lot of exposition that I just got really bored of reading. I don't know, like, I've heard a lot of mixed things about it since since I've dropped it. Like you mentioned, I know there are a lot, uh, there are at least a handful of diehard fans out there who are very, very desperate to keep this going, but unfortunately, that's just just not the case, because, yeah, like, like we said, by the time you're listening to this, it'll have ended. I can only hope that maybe it'll do better out here in the West than it did over in Japan. Maybe? Well, Viz was certainly pushing for it, considering that they were going to release a free comic book day sampler with Samurai 8 and Naruto, 
this year. So, and the fact that they were going to be releasing the first volume this month, they've already released it. I think they were expecting this to be a hit because it was Gishimoto, but alas, <laughs> that did not prove to be the case. And indeed, Samurai Eight's biggest problem is definitely it was Kishimoto's passion project. He worked on this for a long time. He had a lot of ideas. The problem is that he spent a lot of time just talking about all his ideas in the manga instead of doing things with the characters early on. And it was consistently a problem up until even the most recent chapters of the story that there was a lot of lore dumps, a lot of chapters just spent on characters talking about ideas it was just not that compelling. You wanted more character arcs, more really interesting character relationships and development and stuff like that. Instead, Kishimoto really emphasized lore and world building in the series to its detriment. Yeah, I mean, that stuff can be interesting, but like I said, like this is the problem I have with some manga is that your world building and lore can be super interesting and everything but like if i don't have interesting characters to follow or that i want to follow personally i just i don't know i just can't get into certain series well kishimoto definitely wanted to challenge himself with the series and definitely he was playing around with a lot of new and interesting ideas but they he lost focus of what people really like about naruto which is the characters exactly and they were invested in the characters and their struggles and not so much the entire lore of the ninja world. Like that wasn't as big a focus of early Naruto as it would be later on. And unfortunately, Samurai 8 front loaded that. Mm -hmm. I mean, they also expected Samurai 8 was going to be like a hit. I am rereading an interview they did with the editor of the series. And, like, it's very sad to read this in retrospect of, like, all the high hopes they had for it. Oh, man. That, uh, unfortunately have not worked out. And definitely, up until the recent chapters, I don't think Kishimoto was expecting the series to end prematurely. Considering that he introduced more new characters and more new lore. And then the last couple chapters have really rushed to a conclusion. So, it's very unfortunate. Well, I'll end to here with two things. One, if Kishimoto comes out with an, with another work anytime soon, like I'm still willing to read his stuff because I know he's a very, despite everything with Samurai 8, I know that he's still a capable writer, and I know he's capable of making good stuff, so I'm still willing to, you know, read anything new that he might happen to do in the future. Two, this will make a really interesting episode of our cancelled podcast series canceled manga podcasts uh, that we usually do so i can't wait to eventually talk about this in a full episode oh yeah it's definitely an interesting case study like the creator of one of the most successful franchises in anime history his follow-up did not catch fire that's going to be interesting to explore oh yeah all right but uh we should we should move on to the rest of our news yeah there's another series that has ended or is going to end in like a day by the time you're listening to this at least at the time of this recording, and that's Seven Deadly Sins. So we reported on that before, that the last chapter was going to come out by the end of the month, and indeed the last chapter has come out as chapter 346 on March 25th. 
And I'm looking forward to read it, if I can read it, because I guess this is the mini rant I want to go on, is that Crunchyroll has really dropped the ball with the Seven Deadly Sins. They have not posted a new chapter since chapter 343. I don't know what's going on, because Eden Zero has been posted as normal. New chapter is coming out on time, but not Seven Deadly Sins. There's been no explanation why. The chapters are up on Comixology to purchase, but they're not on Crunchyroll, and I'm going to be very upset if I can't read the last chapter of Seven Deadly Sins on Crunchyroll if they've dropped these three chapters literally before the end. So, that is very frustrating for anyone who's been following the series on Crunchyroll, but at least we can read the final chapter when it drops on Comixology. But yes, Seven Deadly Sins kind of had a prolonged final arc, a lot of false endings, but I'm hoping that the final, final, for real this time ending is satisfying. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, that, that does sound really annoying. I'm sorry you had to deal with that. But all right, so uh, our very, very last piece of serialization news, just a little update on a title licensed by, I think it was Yen Press. Yeah, we just talked about it earlier in this episode, but Kakushi Goto by the creator of Sayonara Zetsubo Sensei is actually ending with its 12th volume this summer. So this is another series which Yen Press licensed and then just a few days later it was announced that the manga is actually ending. That being Ato Sakurai's manga that they recently licensed as well. Mm-hmm, for so sure. So that's kind of interesting. It's like both Majoraba, Majoreba, and then this are like ending just as the English release has come out. I wonder if that's part of the reason they may have licensed these works is because they knew that uh, they knew they were going to be short, possibly. Possibly. I mean, that's a smart strategy, like knowing that the series is going to end soon and they have a finite amount of volumes to publish. Mm-hmm. I mean, 12 volumes for a series I don't think is I don't think is bad. I think that's a pretty like standard length for a series, I think. Yeah, pretty reasonable. And it'll be interesting to see if the anime that is coming out this spring will adapt the entire series since the manga will be over by the time that anime is over. Maybe. We'll, we'll have to see. I'm still very interested in uh, in reading this in particular because, uh, again, it just sounds so cute. Mm-hmm. But that's really about it for serialization news. And uh, believe it or not, we still have more licensing news. Again. Yeah, Kadansha hit us with another 10 just in the past week. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of these in particular are going to be coming out in print. So it is worth noting that I think some of these were originally available only digitally. That is indeed true. And so, yeah, uh, all these are going to be their new print releases, starting with Codenamed Sailor V Eternal Edition, which... Um, um, maybe you know this it's better. It's a prequel. I mean, it was the series before Sailor Moon. Like, Daku Taguchi did this, and then they decided to expand the idea, the concept of what Sailor V was into Sailor Moon. And then Sailor V was recontextualized as Sailor Venus in Sailor Moon. Okay, so yeah. it's sort of a prequel. I mean, you can't totally read Sailor V and go into Sailor Moon because there are like slight inconsistencies because it was not like meant to become Sailor Moon initially but it's still about Minako Aino Sailor Venus and it kind of tells the story of how she met Artemis 
and like some of her early adventures as Sailor V, like before she joined up with the rest of the Sailor Senshi. Mm, so yeah, okay. it's cool that this is getting an Eternal Edition. Like the Sailor Moon Eternal Editions are really quality releases with great hardcovers, great paper. So yeah, I think this is really awesome. I really like Sailor V. Minako is definitely my favorite of the Sailor Senshi. Uh, I know Wicks, good friend of the show, is very excited for this because she loves Sailor V. So yeah, mm-hmm. very cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. And thank you. I was I was just about to ask like about this because unfortunately Sailor Moon is kind of a blind spot for me. As much as I liked watching it as a kid back when it aired on Toonami, I, I don't I still don't really actually know that much about Sailor Moon in the manga anyway, so But this is cool because it's uh, gonna have like a glittering cover, it's Ooh. gonna have a fresh translation and remastered interior art. So this is definitely a prestige release. I might want to trade up from my regular volumes to this new release too. Alright. And that'll be coming out on January fifth, twenty twenty one. Alright, so this next one You'll probably have to explain to me as well, because uh, we have Ghost in the Shell, The Human Algorithm, in which Volume 21 of this will be coming out on June 23rd, with Volume 2 coming out on December 1st. So you you were the Ghost in the Shell expert. Can you tell me anything about this and how it actually relates to, I guess, the Ghost in the Shell universe? Because that's, that's also another franchise I'm not as familiar with. I haven't read this series particularly. Ghost and Shell has a lot of spin-off manga. This is a relatively recent spin-off, and it seems like it's more focused on the other members of Section 9 as opposed to Matoko. Okay. So this is focusing more on Bato and Togusa and them investigating things. So from that perspective, it's interesting just to have a Ghost and Shell series that isn't about Matoko as, like, the perspective character. Hmm, okay. Yeah, I, w- I was wondering, just because, uh, yeah, just, just based on the cover here, yeah, I, I just kind of assumed, like, maybe it was a maybe a side story about Bato. And you know what? From the little ghost in the shell I have seen, I do know I like Bato, so there's that. Bato's great. <laughs> Especially in the English that was standalone complex. You can't go wrong with Richard Eckhart. You really cannot. I've never watched a dub and went, aw, man, more Richard Epcar. Mm-hmm. Theodore, do you know anything about Ghost in the Shell, the human algorithm? Not really, though I think Kodansha's already simulpubbing it, right? Oh, it, they are? Okay, they yeah. so? Okay, cool. Yeah, okay, because I... Alright, they are publishing the series digitally, so yeah. Cool to finally have a print release for this as well. And this is one of a few series that Kodansha has been publishing digitally that they are going to be publishing in print. Yes, because uh, next up we have Mashima Heroes, which, uh, funny thing about this, so originally this was just titled Heroes, but I guess apparently, what was it, Mashima renamed it to Mashima Heroes so that people could like search for it online better? Yeah, basically, so search engine optimization was indeed optimized. But uh, yeah, in case you haven't figured it out, we are talking about Hiro Mashima, the creator of uh, such series as Rave Master, Fairy Tale, and Eden Zero. And Mashima Heroes is basically just a big old crossover series epic where it's just a big crossover of all three series. And, uh, you know, Kanacha has been or simul publishing this while it was coming out. And uh, yeah, so it looks like this will be coming out in print on November 3rd. 
I believe you can buy chapters of this over on uh, Comixology and whatnot. And uh, yeah, so I mean, if you're if you're a Hiromashima fan, you have something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And then up next, it's too bad V-Lord had to leave because uh, it looks like we are going to be getting a print release of something we just talked about on this episode, Orient, from Shinobu Otaka, again, from the creator of, uh, of Magi. And uh, that'll be coming out on January 5th, 2021. So that's pretty cool. And then next up, we have Sachi's Monstrous Appetite, which will be coming out on November 3rd. And uh, just to kind of read the synopsis here real quick. So I'm assuming our main character, Makie, is a boy who's who's in love with his tall, older classmate, Sachi. As a sign of his affection, he makes Sachi a special lunch every day. And Sachi loves Makie too, but she has a secret. That she's actually a shape-shifting monster called the Watari. And she was drawn to Makie because he smells delicious. But it's not just Sachi who's drawn to Makie's scent, and soon he realizes the entire monster world is after him. This sounds a lot like Love Rush. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it kind of does. I mean, except for the fact that the heroine kind of wants to eat the protagonist. In that sense, it's kind of like Beastars. Yeah, I, I, I guess that's true. But yeah, no, that it sounds interesting. I, just from the cover alone, I really like the art. Yeah. It's very soft. I can get into it. Again, this will be coming out on November 3rd. Uh, next up, we have Shikimori's Not Just a Cutie from Keigo Maki. That'll be also coming out on uh, November 3rd, in which Shikimori seems like the perfect girlfriend. Cute, fun to be around, sweet when she wants to be, but she has a cool dark side that comes out under the right circumstances. And her boyfriend, Izumi, loves to be around when that happens. And this is a fun and funny high school romance with a sassy twist perfect for fans of Nagataro-san and Komi Can't Communicate. So, there you go. There's a... Well, I hope she isn't as mean as Nagatoro, and she's better at communicating than Komi. Let's hope so. And then next up, we have That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime, Trinity and Tempest, which uh, seems to be just a slime spinoff series side story kind of thing. I can't comment on it too much since I still haven't read Slime, and I really should. That'll be coming out on October 20th, and then next up we have Those Not-So-Sweet Boys from Yoko Nogiri, which will be coming out on January 12th, 2021, who is the creator of The Wolf Boy is Mine and Love and Focus. This is a story of a hardworking high schooler who falls for a bad boy and discovers that, that the lives of him and his friends are nothing like what she imagined. So, uh, there you go. And then, uh, that's about it for the Kodansha stuff in particular. Obviously, a Vertical uh, came out with at least two licenses as well, with our first series here, with Dog and a Cat, Every Day is Fun, from Hidekichi Matsumoto. This will be coming out on September 1st, and I like the synopsis here. Are you a dog person, or maybe a cat person? Or maybe both? Based on author Hidekichi Matsumoto's real-life experience, she shows us what it's like to live with both a cat and a dog. (laughs) Finally, a manga for boat animal lovers. Now this looks extremely cute, and I need it. I think this is also getting an anime soon. I thought I saw something like that Mm -hmm. recently. So I'm sure people will love this. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, and then we have uh, Pretty Boy Detective Club, The Dark Star That Shines For You Alone, which is a novel from the ever-popular Nisi Oisin, author of, obviously, the Monogatari series. 
which will be coming out on September 29th. And these are the rules of the Pretty Boy Detective Club. Number one, be pretty, be a boy. And number three, be a detective. Pretty self-explanatory, and at least you can talk about it, unlike Fight Club. Yeah, that's, see, that's not a rule. So we have Mayumi Dojima, who is a second-year student at the exclusive Yubiwa Academy Middle School, who has lost something, a star she glimpsed just once ten long years ago, but help is on the way in the form of the unofficial, secretive, and thoroughly mysterious Pretty Boy Detective Club, rumored to solve problems within the school, most of which they themselves may have created, for reasons aesthetic rather than financial. These five gorgeous boys sweep Mayumi into their world of excitement, danger, and overwhelming beauty, and so begins the thrilling new mystery series from renowned author Nisi Waisin. So, this kind of sounds something very similar to, like, Oran High School Host Club, except it's, uh, it's more of a mystery series. Yeah, except they're kind of flashy detectives, and they definitely are rocking some fashion. I like that one of them is rocking some heels. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. This actually does sound interesting. I'd, I'd give it a read. But uh, yeah, that's that's really about it for everything Kodacha and Vertical related. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff. I'm, I'm glad that all these are getting print releases. Again, a, a lot of stuff in here that I'm sure a lot of people were waiting for. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Of the new stuff, I think I'm particularly interested in Sachi's Monster's Appetite and Tikimori's Not Just a Cutie. Cool to have some new romance series uh, with kind of a more dominant female character in the relationship. I'd kind of like to see more of that. Mm -hmm. Those do look really interesting. Again, I want a dog and a cat. (laughs) Okay, but that is about it for licensing news. And Lam, I believe we have just a bit of industry news. Yeah, we. I mean, we have a lot of news that affects industry. But before we get to the heavy stuff, let's... Talk about a few lighter pieces of news. First, we mentioned before that there's a Demon Slayer character popularity poll, and now there's also an Act-Age character popularity poll on Viz. All you gotta do is head over to Act-Age's page on Viz's site, and a pop-up bar will show up that will allow you to vote for your favorite Act-Age character. So go ahead and do that if you're an Octodge fan, and we'll see who everyone's favorite actors are in Octodge. Or directors, or whatever character you vote for. I voted for Hanako, controversial choice, but think she's very interesting. But if you're looking for more manga to read in the next couple of weeks... Comicsology Unlimited is extending its free trial to 60 days for the next couple of weeks. So, you can head on over there to check out a ton of comics that you can read on that service using the free trial. Which includes several manga series if you want to read the entirety of Battle Angel Alita or Beck or series like Initial D and Baki and Attack on Titan, and countless others, head on over to Comixology Unlimited, get a free trial, and go and read all those on there. But as far as some of the bigger stories we have to talk about, we do have some new announcements that were made about like people being moved places and the first to discuss is Yen Press has has named uh Mark Devera as their new sales and marketing director 
And Mark previously served as the senior sales manager at Viz, overseeing their relationship with Diamond Comic Distributors, the direct market, and digital publishing vendors. So he was very involved in licensing and acquisition and industry reporting analysis and insights. So he'll probably bring all that expertise into his role at Yen, where he's going to be implementing and developing comprehensive marketing aimed at developing consumer-oriented branding, expansion of important reader demographics. Specifically, they are going to be focusing on young adult and middle grade categories. And then he's also going to be managing Yen's social media presence and provide oversight for publicity, advertising, convention activities, coordinating sales efforts, a lot of the same stuff he's been doing with this as well. So this is kind of a really interesting shakeup. Uh, we're going to see like how Yen might choose to market itself and acquire titles under Mark's leadership. Next, uh, we just want to do a little bit of an update on the piracy story that we talked about earlier in this episode. We previously had mentioned that Heising Young, the creator of the BL Manwa Pianpian, spoke out against a piracy site, Manga Go Go, for hosting their content illegally and publicly treaded action, legal action against them. And so they removed the Manwa. And now another BL Manwa, Oryu, is speaking out against the site and is asking their followers to report their comic back to school for takedown. They wrote out a tweet in which they kind of described their, uh, like a screen cap of like their comments on the comics page on Manga Gogo. Their tweet was like, look at this, please help me. I hope my cartoon will be deleted from this illegal site. I'd like to report it, please, they wrote. Delete my cartoon from Manga Gogo. I'll take illegal actions. So, I mean, very clearly, the manga artist is saying here, Hey, you can read my cartoons in this place, in this case, Lezin Comics, legally. Don't steal my work. This situation makes me very tired. It makes me want to quit. I want to draw cartoons for a long time, but I don't think I can. And, you know, because of the situation, I don't know if I want to do my next work because I'm tired of not getting paid for my work. I mean, if you want just like a clear, unquestionably direct response about how piracy affects Manga creators, all you have to do is look at this. Like, piracy hurts creators. You should listen and respect their wishes and support work legally. And so this is another story that definitely illustrates that very clearly. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what we have to do to explain that to some people. Not, not everyone, but some people out there who are unfortunately very stubborn about wanting to just pirate everything. So... Indeed. But now we are going to be getting to the big topic we needed to discuss on the show that we needed to record like an initial segment for, and that is how the coronavirus situation is affecting the manga industry and the anime industry. So we'll be turning our attention to stories related to the pandemic, how it's affecting the industries, and we, the first thing to talk about is because of the recent quarantine orders issued nationwide, people have been scrambling to stockpile household necessities. 
So in response to this, Amazon sent out a message to anime and manga suppliers saying that they are prioritizing the restocking, fulfillment, and shipping of household staples, medical supplies, and other high-demand products until April 5th in light of the spread of the coronavirus and the high demand for, you know, household products. And so because of that, Amazon has typically halted ordering for products other than those listed above. But they have extended the delivery and shipping windows for existing orders of companies providing other products, including anime, manga, and games. And they also announced that they are opening like 100,000 new full and part-time jobs as fulfillment centers. And they're trying to meet the surge in demand or whatever. Well, we'll see about that. But as to how this affects, you know, the anime manga industry, you know, well, this might only be temporary. This shift does mean that you may see many anime and manga products fall out of stock on Amazon in the next few weeks and not be restocked until mid-April. However, you should still be able to buy stuff as normal from other retailers like Ripe Stuff. Still, I could very well see shortages of physical manga products become an issue in general the longer the quarantine goes on and has the time to affect the production of future book and disc printing to shipments. But while the publishing industry may be mostly fine, for the moment, the movie industry has suffered a massive, unprecedented upheaval. Because of the quarantine orders being issued nationwide, movie theaters have almost been universally shut down entirely. Large retail chains like Regal Theaters are closed indefinitely, while some like AMC have stated they'll be closed for between 6 to 12 weeks. Basically, there'll be virtually no movie theaters open, much less moving playing in movie theaters for at least a month and a half, which again is unprecedented in the history of movie going in the US. In response to the situation, movies that were set to come out in the next few months like Quiet Place 2 and Milan were pulled from the release dates and postponed for later, or will simply be coming out on digital instead, as is the case with Trolls World Tour, which Universal is releasing in whatever theaters are still open on its release day, but also as a digital download on the same day. Even films that were just recently out in theaters, like Onward, which had only just come out two weeks ago, are being released early on digital. You can in fact buy Onward digitally now, and it's coming to Disney Plus on April 3rd, less than a month after its theatrical release date. So obviously, this means that anime screenings scheduled for March and April have been postponed or cancelled too. So far, we have confirmed that pretty much all anime screenings that were set for late March, April, and May. So Digimon Adventure Last Kizuna the premiere complete event, Children to See, and the Fate Stay Night Heaven's Field films have all been confirmed by Toei, G-Kids, and Aniplex, respectively, to be postponed, with G-Kids and Aniplex, at the very least, intending to put those films back out in theaters once theaters reopen. In the meantime, G-Kids, following suit of other large studios, is releasing premiere digitally earlier. They've moved up the digital release date of premiere from May 5th to April 21st, so fans can watch the film at home just a bit earlier, ahead of its May 19th home video release date. Funimation has also announced that their Fruits Basket second season premiere event has been cancelled, and while it hasn't been confirmed at the time of this recording, Sentai's Made in Abyss Dawn of Deep Soul screenings that are scheduled for April 13th and 15th will probably be postponed too. While the Made in Abyss film will probably be rescheduled, I have a feeling that the Fruits Basket event is just going to be cancelled outright because the whole point of the Fruits Basket screening was to offer a sneak peek of those first three episodes of the new season, which will already be available online by the time they'd be allowed to screen them again. 
So if anything, my bet is that Funimation is just going to offer those episodes of the series as planned when the simulcast starts and throw up whatever bonus content they were including that screening online. But I wouldn't expect the simuldub episodes of Fruits Basket Season 2 to continue past the first three episodes because Funimation announced that they are halting production on their simuldubs from this season and subsequent ones until the quarantine is over as they'll be adjusting their dubbing process to allow their actors to work from home. And so this will affect all current Funimation simuldubs and we'll leave a link to the list of simuldubs that are being affected, but basically all of them are being paused after their most recent episode. And the two that stick out to me in particular as affecting another thing would be My Hero Academia and Black Clover simuldubs, because those series are, of course, broadcasting on Toonami. And currently Black Clover is 14 episodes behind its dub on Toonami, with the most recent episode being broadcast there being episode 110, while the simuldub is up to episode 124, and MHA is four episodes behind, with the most recent episode being broadcast of them being episode 80, and the most recent simuldub episode being episode 84, so it remains to be seen how the Halt and simuldub production will affect these shows broadcast on Tanami. Most likely, they run up to the most recent produced dubbed episode available to them, and then they may have to go into reruns or take a break for a while. Personally, I think Black Clover could go on hiatus fine after episode 122, since episodes 123 and 124 are recap episodes. And so if they had to go on a break, those would be like a good reintroduction to the show if it returned. But Toonami's three months away from broadcasting this episode, so the quarantine may be over by then and dub production for Zoom. So it's not going to be as much of an issue for that show, probably, as it's going to be for MHA, which they're going to run out of episodes in like a month, and that's the block front runner so that will be interesting to see how that plays out they'll probably have to like just start the whole season over maybe they'll ha- either have to go into reruns or they'll have to find like an emergency replacement the new show we'll have to see how they handle that but theatrical screenings and dubbed anime are not the only things taking a hiatus because of this pandemic. Earlier this month, Emerald City Comic Con and South by Southwest were canceled. And since then, pretty much all major conventions that were scheduled between now and the end of May have announced that they will be canceled or postponed as well. This includes TCAF, Acon, SakuraCon, and Anime Central, all of which have been outright canceled. MoMACon has also been postponed with the organizers looking into potential future dates for later in this year. But TCAF's cancellation is part particularly sad for manga fans since Witch Hat Atelier mangaka Kamomi Shirahama was going to guest at the event, have panels and signings and stuff, and I know a lot of people on our Twitter space were really looking forward to seeing her at the con, but alas, we'll have to hope that we can see her at another con in the future instead. But other events that have been postponed include Free Comic Book Day, which will be moved to an as-of-yet-undetermined date later this summer, and Japan Summer Comicette, which normally happens in August, but was moved to May 2nd to 5th this year to accommodate the Olympics. That's also potentially going to be postponed or canceled. The organizers are still planning to move ahead with it at this time. It remains to be seen the extent of how much anime among production is going to be affected by the corona virus crisis at this time. Earlier in the winter season, there were shows that had to have episodes delayed or were taken off air altogether because of virus-related problems. Most famously, Ace 3, which only aired three episodes before being yanked off and rescheduled to restart from scratch in the upcoming spring season. The anime affected 
the most part of this crisis are definitely those which rely on in-between animation or coloring work outsourced to Chinese animation studios, which have had to close down during the crisis, and that will probably prove to be the case moving forward for future shows. Much like here in the U.S., Japan issued an order on February 25th to forbid mass gatherings of people in public places, so community events and theatrical screenings and events have been postponed and effective as well. So far, television seems to be relatively ineffective, though ripple effects caused by the virus may have ramifications on the industry down the line. To say nothing of how this could affect manga production, which I assume could mostly continue as normal since most artists work from home, though we may see more rougher work or breaks from most weekly series since, you know, in case authors aren't able to work with their assistants, if stricter quarantine rules are applied, or, again, how the state of the publisher's office would be. So we'll see how that will affect that. But the coronavirus pandemic has massaging ramifications for how we'll have to live our lives in general until the vaccine is administered to the public, which may take up to a year. So how is it going to affect the anime among industries is a developing story that we'll continue to report on as the year goes on. In the meantime, for a more comprehensive assessment of how the coronavirus is affecting anime production currently, I recommend checking out anime cultural analysis uh, Evan Mento's piece on Anime News Network discussing the issue as well as the latest episode of the Anime Gamers podcast where he discusses the impact of the virus in more length and both of which will be linked in the show notes. As for Manga Mavericks, you know, podcasting is something that we can do from home, so the quarantine should not affect production on this show too much, and hoping none of us will get sick, but otherwise, you know, uh, things should roll on in terms of our schedule and our plans. Things should hopefully continue as normal for this podcast, and in general, though, we just encourage everyone to... Stay inside, keep safe, wash your hands very thoroughly for 20 seconds or more, and yeah, just uh, bide time out until this pandemic passes over. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to like cause anyone any like panic attacks or anything, but like, I won't lie, like, a lot of this stuff is kind of scary, but I'm pretty confident that we could ride this out, hopefully. I mean, I don't know, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens, but I, I'm pretty confident as long as we take proper countermeasures and everything and we just stay inside stay safe i think hopefully we can kind of go about our usual business as as normal as we possibly can thankfully our, our our podcast i don't think should be too affected by this i mean i think podcasters are going to play a somewhat bigger part now because like people are going to need content to consume while you know some of us are stuck in quarantine or just choose not to go outside ever again like i was just thinking about this the other day it's kind of weird how like the one thing we don't have to worry about is never running out of media to consume no uh, there's plenty of that out there and there's too mm-hmm. much to ever run out of. Uh-huh. I mean, it is sad to see that, like, a certain anime I know are being postponed. Like, I know a lot of people were looking forward to ReZero Season 2 coming out. And I know that's been yeah. kind of delayed to a later day. I think around June or yeah, July. Yeah, summer season. July. Yeah. So, I know a lot of people were, like, looking forward to, you know, to stuff like that and whatnot. But, like, again, like... Well, the health of people comes first, basically. Exactly. But... Also, you know, we have so much stuff to like that I'm sure like we've never seen before. I'm sure all of our backlogs are insanely long anyway. So, you know, we, we have plenty to keep ourselves busy, which I think is good. Yeah, I'm going to miss going to the movies. Like movie theaters outright have been closed in Minnesota 
as they have been in New York, California, a bunch of other places have outright closed movie theaters outright, not just oh, Chase yeah. themselves making that decision. So that's going to be sad, but yeah, there's just a gluttonous amount of movies and TV shows available to watch on Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus and all these streaming sites. You're never going to run out of Crunchyroll, Verve. And hey, you know what? This is probably the perfect time to look into stuff like the Shonen Jump app. Yeah, I mean, this is a great time. $2 a month. You have thousands of chapters of manga to read on there. Everyone's been saying it, but (laughs) that was a pretty good time to start One Piece. <laughs> yeah, which uh, which I know is coming out on Netflix soon. I don't think we have a date for that, but we know the anime is coming to Netflix at some point. So get ready to watch at least the first 160 episodes of that. And, you know, yeah, again, I'm confident that things will ultimately turn out okay. There are going to be a lot of changes I think we're going to have to get used to. Like, I'm more interested in, like, what things are going to look like after all this stuff. Mm. You know, the uncertainty of it is frightening, for I'm sure, for some people. It certainly is for me. I don't like the unknown, but the one thing I do know is that we're going to continue to podcast about manga and uh, we're going to continue to, you know, just keep you guys updated on uh, everything that's going on as it pertains to the manga and the anime industry as well. So Mm -hmm, definitely. But yeah, that's going to be about it for the show. Hopefully we won't have to add anything else. Again, this episode is going to turn out a bit longer than we originally planned it for. But, you know, like, it kind of warrants it. So I'm not too upset about that at the end of the day. And so, yeah, we're going to try again to end the show. And so, yeah, I guess we should just start off by uh, plugging our stuff. So, Lum, where can the good people find you? You can find me at Lone Romeo Show on Twitter, and it's Lone Romeo Show a variety of places like Animation Revelation and Analyst. Wherever there's a Lone Romeo Show, that's where you can find me, and you can read my manga reviews on all-comedy.com. We've got a lot of books coming in, a lot of reviews coming out, so look forward to them on there. All right, and as for me, I'm Colton. You can find me on Twitter at SniperKing323. Uh, I also host and produce a lot of other podcasts, which you can find links to over at coltoncorner.wordpress.com. Uh, you can find links to sh- uh, to shows such as Life Lessons, the Gintama Manga Cast, uh, One Podcast Reveals, and a whole bunch of other stuff that I'm doing at the moment. Again, that's at coltoncorner.wordpress.com under the uh, under the podcast tab. It's a whole page dedicated to my podcast. And uh, as for all comic and manga mavericks in particular, you basically want to go to all-comic.com because uh, that is where we post every episode of the podcast first. Unless you are a patron over at our Patreon at patreon.com slash manga mavericks, uh, where if you sign up for the $2 tier, you will basically have access to the latest episodes of the podcast as soon as we have them edited, you know, depending on when we have them edited. If we happen to have them edited early, um, you know, we'll, we'll put them up on the Patreon for all of our patrons to listen to before anyone else. Or you should sign up for our $5 tier, where uh, you'll get a bonus podcast at the end of every month. Uh, right now, we are doing a podcast miniseries called The Manga Mavericks Book Club, where we essentially just go back and reread different series that we may have talked about on the Manga Mavericks podcast already. This time, we're covering Saint Seiya from Masami Kuramata, a legendary Shota Jump classic that unfortunately really doesn't get a lot of love over here in the States. Um, but it has a complete uh, release from Viz Media. It's available digitally. And so, you know, my good friend, Doctor from the Aspect Quartz Anime Podcast and I are 
are uh, going through that series, two volumes every episode, and it's our first time reading through Saint Seiya. So if you want to hear our uh, first reactions to Saint Seiya and how we feel about the series, uh, please go listen to that. Again, that's at the $5 tier. Uh, new episodes of that every month at the end of every month at patreon.com slash manga mavericks it's really the best way to support the podcast and everything we do if you want to you know throw, throw a little cheddar our way you know and uh so besides that um as where you could follow us you could follow us on facebook.com slash all.comic or on twitter.com slash all comic underscore but if you want to follow manga mavericks in particular you want to follow us on twitter at manga underscore mavericks or on Tumblr at mangamavericks.tumblr.com for all the latest updates on the podcast, especially at Twitter. You want to also subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash mangamavericks, uh, where we post different excerpts of the podcast, including whatever news pieces we talk about, uh, different discussions and reviews of other manga we've done, and even some exclusive content every once in a while. So definitely go subscribe to, again to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash mangamavericks. Uh, email us anything at mangamavericks at gmail.com. Uh, what do you think of all the news we covered this episode? Uh, are there any licenses we've talked about that you're looking forward to? Uh, what what manga are you reading right now? What manga do you want to see us cover on the show? Uh, you can email us anything about manga or the podcast, and we'll read it on the show. Again, send that over to mangamavericks at gmail.com. But the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. It's one of the best places to give us feedback. You know, it really helps the visibility of our show and really just helps us helps the show get out there even more to even more listeners. And uh, that's going to be about it for the episode. Uh, this has been episode 114 of the Manga Mavericks podcast on allcomic.com. And we will see you guys next time for episode 115. Bye, guys. Sayonara. Sayonara.